This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. So good to be with you. Top of the Monday morning to you. Oh, holy cow. Holy cow. Three Americans go to France and just become heroes. Honestly, so uh, impressed with these three guys. I'm sure you've heard about it. Three Americans just on a little train trip. Not a big deal. And uh, they end up stopping, fighting off an attacker that uh, had, I guess, 300 rounds of ammunition and uh, ended up basically stopping the attack, hog-tying the guy, saving lives. So, so cool. In fact, today they received the Legion of Honor Award, which is France's highest uh, recognition, um, highest award they give. And bada-boom, bada-bing, three guys, just simple dudes. Isn't it crazy? All of a sudden you could be, you know, touring. And by the way, fellow British passenger Chris Norman also helped in the tackling of the gunman. You know, when you've got four of you and, you know, you're a bunch of pretty studly guys, I don't know, like our radio crew here, you could do a lot. You getting this, Mike? Every time you go out now from here on, be ripped and ready. It's just our duty as Americans. Yeah, for everyone. We're here to help everyone in the world. Ripped and ready. Okay, uh, I want that. Will you make a note here? Take yeah, a note. Yeah, making a note. Hold on a second. I want to um, just copyright. R&R. I'm going to copyright R&R. ripped and ready. Ripped and ready, R&R. Yeah. Okay. Okay, he's writing it on the chalkboard again. Ripped and ready. ready. Ripped and ready. Uh, I want to make bumper stickers. Right, memes. Bumper stickers. Copyright that, Matt Copyright Townsend. it. Got it. We'll get our legal team on that. Ripped and ready. Honestly, how cool is it? Pre- President Francis Holland comes out and he's like, by courage, they saved lives. They gave us an example of what is possible to do in these kinds of situations. The four stopped a potential massacre Friday aboard the high-speed train headed from Amsterdam, Netherlands to Paris, France. Three Americans, one Englishman, risked their lives to defend an ideal the ideal of liberty and freedom. How cool. They, they're already my heroes of the day. And honestly, they taught us something I think super powerful that, you know, together we can – we and this is how it's going to have to be. For the rest of us around the world, you never know when terrorists are going to rear their head. And again, they're still trying to decide if this was a terrorist attack. But I think they'll find out. He had his own persuasion of belief. He had his own maybe goal. But these lone wolf attacks, if that's what we're going to call it, they're not going away. And if we're all keeping our eyes open and we're willing to jump in, you're no longer able to just sit by and watch stuff happen, folks. So cool. So uh, I'm honoring those three wonderful gentlemen, uh, Anthony Sadler, Spencer Stone, Alex Scarlatos. Get the Legion of Honor Award from France. And then fellow British passenger Chris Norman, he helped in the attack as well, or in stopping the attack. Anyway, and then they got incredible video of the gunman, you know, on his 
on the ground, hogtied, caught. How cool. Anyway, what do you do? Uh, well, I mean, they have a huge weekend, and I just sat around. <laughs> just sat around all weekend. What'd you do this weekend, Matt? Nothing. Not really. No. You didn't rescue anybody? Not really, no. I did pick up my kids from, you know, their their friend's house. There once. you go. I mean, kind of rescued them. <laughs> it, was, it was a big deal. By the way, today is knife day. You know what? Coming in, I saw on a billboard it was Happy National Waffle Day. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm assuming that was updated. So uh, yeah. I I don't Love have waffles. that on my list. Yeah, I have a lot of days today. It was a National Waffle Day. I, I better write that National down. Waffle Day. Oh man, do you love it more than um, Vesuvius Day? I think so. The day that commemorates the historic eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Yeah, pretty Vesuvius. much. I do. I prefer seventy nine A D. By the way, that's a hard one to remember. <laughs> yeah, ruined no, I, Pompeii. I forgot that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> National Waffle Day, huh? That's what I saw on a billboard. I'm not I into thought, waffles. Well, oh, you don't? No. I love a good. Do you love a good waffle? waffle? Love it. Yeah, with powdered sugar on top. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I bacon. Totally. We could have a bacon waffle. You can put bacon in the batter. Why would you? Why wouldn't you just have the bacon? Because it's good with the with the waffle. <laughs> then you can put the sweet, and you kind of have the sweet of the mm. syrup, and then the why not just salty do the bacon? syrup and the bacon? You could do that. Ooh, make a smoothie. <laughs> bacon <laughs> smoothie. <laughs> Wouldn't that be yummy? <laughs> you could throw a waffle in the bacon smoothie. Oh, no. That sounds a little gross. No, that does sound gross. Hey, uh, that is the wonderful voice of Kathy Aiken, who's here to bring us the headlines. Kathy, what's up? That's right, Matt. As you talked about, the three Americans and the one British businessman are being awarded the highest honor in France by President Francois Hollande. They subdued a 26-year-old Moroccan man who entered the train with an assault rifle and other weapons. Without their help, officials say there could have been mass casualties. U.S. Airman Spencer Stone, one of the heroes, said the gunman was ready for a fight. He seemed like he was uh, ready to fight to the to the end, so so were we. I don't know. It feels pretty crazy. I never thought I would be here uh, in this position, so... The suspect said he was on the train to rob people. The train was speeding through Belgium when the attack occurred. In early morning trading today, China's benchmark stock plummeted 8.5 percent, wiping out gains from the year. Other stock exchanges in the region followed suit with benchmark benchmark indexes from Hong Kong to Australia, shedding more than 2 percent. Analysts say things are looking like the Asian financial crisis in the late 1990s. China is the world's number two economy, and investors are betting its economic slowdown is worse than government information indicates. Meanwhile, stock futures plunged this morning in the U.S., all but guaranteeing the market will extend its its sell-off after suffering the worst week in four years. Vice President Joe Biden met with Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren in Washington over the weekend, fueling speculation that Biden is definitely going to run, uh, take a run at the White House. Sources say the two talked about the economy, foreign policy, and the middle class. Two men who were climbing in Wyoming's Grand Teton National Park plunged to their deaths over the weekend. Both men, who were residents of Jackson, Jackson, Wyoming, fell nearly 200 feet and were pronounced dead at the scene. A Louisiana state trooper remains in critical condition after being shot in the head during a traffic stop yesterday. A passing driver saw the trooper, 43-year-old Stephen Vincent, lying on the ground. He stopped and wrestled the gun away from the suspect. 54-year-old Kevin Daigle faces charges of attempted first-degree murder. And National Zoo staff are helping giant panda Mai Zhang adjust to life with her newborn twin. 
twins. The panda gave birth on Saturday but took the staff by surprise when she had twins about four and a half hours apart. The panda gave birth to two other surviving cubs in the past. And Matt, did you know there are 1,600 giant pandas known to be living in the wild and just 300 in captivity? Really? Yeah. How are they mating in the wild? I do not know that. Well, why? I probably I'll look that up for you. <laughs> yeah, I thought you knew everything. I did not know that one. No, but, that's, but I, it I seems like they have a hard time kind of mating in captivity. Yes, and uh, that's why this one was, that was uh, a big artificially deal. inseminated. Yeah, and but it was interesting. I guess these cubs. You see how tiny they are. Yeah, I'm thinking. You know, I wish mine were that little. Wouldn't that be so great? <laughs> that would be so great. I have the, my uh, daughter's pregnant, and we're finding out that um, her, my son-in-law's family, they have children that are like. 12 pounds, 13 ounce children. They do not. Yes, they do. That's like two of my children. (laughs) Two of my babies. That's crazy. I feel badly for the girl. That's bad. That's where you just want a little panda cub. Just a little panda. Yeah, please. (laughs) That size is looking looking easy. Yeah, totally. I'll um, look that up for you, though. Yeah, check that out. I just want to know the numbers. I will. You know know I'm a big panda fan. (laughs) I know you are. Panda Express. You got to love it. Oh, I love Panda Express. (laughs) That's where I fell in love with pandas. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, everything goes back to food on this show. It's so sad, but so true. Hey, coming up, Joe Cannon's going to be joining us. Uh, Joe, you know, is our Washington insider. We're going to just take a run at politics. We're going to try to do so, get into a little bit of Trump, but more his policies. Uh, Trump's, you know, been throwing out a lot of policy ideas, and we're going to find out from our good uh, friend Joe Cannon. What he thinks about Trump's immigration ideas, his immigration policies, exporting 11 million people. How do you do that? We're going to find out about Jeb Bush's comment about anchor babies, which, you know, it's apparently a slur. You don't, you shouldn't be saying that. And uh, yet a lot of this is just people dancing and chasing Donald Trump again. Interesting stuff. We'll talk about that also. We want to find out... uh, what he thinks about Joe Biden getting in the race. Times are getting crazy. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world right here on BYU Radio. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, <laughs> it, it kind of bugs me bringing up Donald Trump because that seems to be all we talk about in politics. But, you know, what he does is he he creates such a big wake with a lot of carnage in it that I wanted Joe Cannon to kind of help us walk through what's happening um, in the in the wake of Donald Trump. Joe Cannon, remember, is our our Washington insider here on the Matt Townsend Show. He's the chairman, used to be chairman of the Utah Republican Party back in the day. And uh, was a candidate for U.S. Senate, served with the Reagan administration, and was editor of an Intermountain uh, newspaper, Deseret News, a very, very large newspaper here in the Intermountain West. And um, he's also CEO and president of Fuel Freedom Foundation trying to help lower uh, your fuel costs here in the United States. And eventually we're going to get today to talk about fuel prices because they seem to be dropping and it's causing market issues, isn't it? It is, yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later with Joe. But Joe, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. What do you think? Donald Trump packs 30,000 people into an Alabama stadium. Well, um, you know, we didn't talk about this before, but 
I would actually like to start this segment yeah. here with a, a definition of demagogue. Yes, okay, let's hear it. We, we don't usually hear talk about demagogues since you mostly have to be a demagogue to to be a po- politician in the United States. Right. But but I think is the he, Donald is, okay. is raising this. So <laughs> let me see this. So a demagogue comes from people, folk, or carry or manipulate. It's a political leader in a democracy who appeals to emotions, fears, prejudices, and in- ignorance of the of other voters in order to gain power and promote political motives. Demagogues usually oppose deliberation and advocate immediate, sometimes violent action to address na- a national crisis. They accuse moderate and thoughtful opponents of weakness, mm. or in this case, stupidity. They're stupid. They're Holy stupid. Holy cow. But, How many times is... Yeah. 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 Demo- anyway, uh, I, so I thought... So by definition, I mean, Donald really is fitting the bill here, isn't yeah, he? I, I just thought I'd start with that. <laughs> but, well, so, by the way, can you think of another demagogue uh, that that created this much, you know, no, excitement? No, no. He, he's pretty... Unique in modern history, I will say that for a time on the Democrat side in the late sixties and early seventies, you had George Wallace, who yeah. also had great crowds, who actually won the Michigan primary as a Democrat. Uh, so you know, a, a appealing to a, a certain kind of nativist uh, impulse that maybe the Donald is. Uh, but it kind of brings out, in a way, it just brings out the worst in us, our fears. It does. It plays on our fears. That's and our exactly. hate and our bias and our prejudice. Yeah. No. And that's what – I mean it, it seems inflames, like – It inflames passion and it doesn't um, – look, I want to say at the outset, immigration is a huge problem. It's oh, yeah. an enormous problem. That, that never uh, seems to get solved or yeah, dealt with. It, it's, a, it's a very, very tough problem. So I don't want to take away from that. Yeah. But, but if you look at the planks of, of uh, Trump's solution – they're all immensely defective in one form or another. Oh, so yeah. the first one, which nobody talks about much, everybody's bought into the wall. Okay, but of course, <laughs> his little wrinkle on the wall is, well, we'll make the Mexicans pay for it, right? Because they're like welfare children, right. they're welfare queens. We're they, already getting they live money. off us. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Mexico is the United States of America's third largest trading partner. First is Canada, second wow. is China. Mexico is only slightly behind China and two and a half times ahead of whoever's in fourth place, which happens to be Japan. So they are a deep, important component of the whole economic yeah. system of the United States. They're enormously important to us. You don't just go slap them around saying you're stupid Mexicans. Right. You're going to pay for this wall because you're getting all the benefit of this. Another, sorry, I don't want to waste a lot of time in the wall, but that – That's huge uh, though. Uh, except, of course, he is going to put a door in the wall for the good Mexicans. Well, he brought yeah, that yeah, up yeah, now. So, so we have good Mexicans and bad right, Mexicans. Right, right, yeah, I so. guess – the, the deportation is the big issue, right? Well, yeah, let's talk about deportation. Because that was where he's yeah. going to put the door, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. then the good Mexicans will send everyone out, but yeah. the good ones will bring back in. Yeah, yeah. So let's think about deportation for a second. There are about 11 or, uh, yeah. plus million illegal immigrants here in the United States. By with the way, homes, by the way, with cars, with jobs, with – Contributing to the economy. A lot of, yeah. 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 But, but that's down more than a million yeah. from a couple of years ago. So actually – this this problem is could be on the way to solving itself, but mm. anyway, it's on the way down. 
But just so there are 11 million, we want to deport 11 million. How are you going to do that? Let's just ask the first question. Yeah. How are you going to do that? You're going to round up everybody named Fuentes. My, yeah. my friend, my good friend TJ Fuentes is a fifth generation Californian. American, yeah. uh, okay. So, so you're going to have to go ask, so Mr. Fuentes, let's do you see have your papers? Your, your papers? Yeah, okay. If you have to ask one person for papers, you have to ask everyone for papers. So all of a sudden, we're creating a gigantic police state yeah. to look at how are we going to uh, deport these 11, 11 odd million people uh, out of out of our country. How are you going to do that without creating well, you an know incomprehensible what? police state? I'll just make it happen. It's well, called course, management, yeah. Joe. Yeah, I'll yeah. just manage it out. I'll yeah, just yeah. make mm-hmm, it happen. Mm-hmm, yeah. So – I was going to resist this, but I just—I've <laughs> I, spent a very large part of my adult life thinking about the problems of the Holocaust. Yeah, uh, I was the one of the uh, founding members of the Holocaust Memorial Council in Washington oh, D.C. Wow. It was the only—I was the only non-Jewish Gentile. I was the only Gentile fundraisers. I've thought—I've spent a lot of my life thinking about this problem with the massive, intensive police state that Hitler was able to create. He still couldn't achieve his objective. You, yeah, you he, couldn't he, get everyone out. Of he, the he he annihilated six million people. That wasn't enough for him, by the way. He wa- by the way, he wanted to get all the Slavs as well as Jews as well as uh, yeah. everybody else. So you know, think of the massive police state operation to accomplish horribly. And I'm not c- yeah. accusing Trump of being right. Hitler or anything. I'm just saying, imagine a police state that could effectively deport 11 million people and you've got 44 million people right. who are here as, as immigrants, uh, many of them legal, many of them here for many generations. Oh, and they have uh-huh. Mexican last names. Well, what, what, are you, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna do that? Well, many of them, by, even by Trump's standard, are good Mexicans. That's true, they're, some, they're, they're, the, they're the good Mexicans, that's right. <laughs> and then so what's the, how do you delineate that, a good versus a bad? That's an extra layer of the police state because you have to have some uh, litmus geez. test for what's good and what's not good. Why is everyone jumping on it though? A lot of people, so Trump says something and then everyone kind of starts jumping on. Yeah, let's do that, that yeah, the 14th Amendment, let's. Well, I wanna, we, we're going to spend a lot of time on the Fourth yeah, Amendment because, because what's the? Yeah. I mean, why are these politicians that seemingly know more? Why are they doing that? Well, Trump is exciting a certain part of the constituency that they, uh, the other candidates, need. He is ahead in the polls. It's very significant. He's all he mentions that every time he talks. Yeah. That, Look, I'm ahead in the polls, and these stupid people aren't. And so, you know, obviously, if you're not as good as me, you're stupid. It's like it's right. like by the way, an elementary school yeah. playground. No, we, we've you're decided. Stupid. No, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. We found out that his he he talks about a third grade level because he uses those words so much. Right. Well, um, but. You and know. so a lot of people embrace it because they're saying we've got to go after that. I just, for the record, his average polls of all the averages about twenty two percent. He's having a hard time busting above that. I mean, right. see, he talks about how high he is, but he may be at the speed of light. Well, you also get to his electability, right? So, because nationally, on a full uh, ticket, it's very few people, fewer people are going to want him right now. What, I mean, we're really we're sparsing up. We're cutting up forty-five percent of the population, right? If that, and, I mean, he's, you're and he's got twenty percent of forty-five percent. Yeah, if that again, we don't know if, if the who these the people being polled aren't necessarily the people who are going to show up in primaries or caucuses. I, just as a footnote, it would be kind of fun to see a Biden-Trump debate. That would be kind of that fun. Would, <laughs> I wouldn't want to roll the dice for our country's future, though. though yeah, that was – Just that on was, the chance to hear that. It would, the funny thing is he's able to say 
stuff and apparently excite a certain part of our populace that are angry. There, no question people are angry. No question immigration is a huge problem. And no question people like the sound, the, the silver sound of a, of a simple solution. Yeah, they we love can, it. We can just – wow, we just build a wall. We make the Mexicans pay for it. Oh, we put a, we put a nice door in the wall uh, to keep the good ones. Oh, and let's just deport everybody <laughs> except the good ones. And, and by the way, let's just blow out the, the Constitution of the United States. Um, yeah, it's, they're easy solutions. A lot of people like you. They, they poll well. He's accusing everybody else of listening to their pollsters. Right. But whether he's listening to a pollster or not, I don't know. But those themes have some resonance with a significant part of the population. Well, I guess, too, they're, I mean, they're also saying, he says, we wouldn't be talking about this issue if it wasn't for me. If I didn't bring up uh, immigration and tell, you know, that whole they're all rapists, they're all murderers comment, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be talking about this right now. So he wants to take credit there as well. Right, yeah. Immigration wasn't an issue three years ago, I guess, or five years ago. But in a way, why – Okay, so I guess it's just so politically charged that nobody's been able to do much with it. And so he can just go out and throw out a lot of position statements, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody seems to say anything. Well, yeah. It's a – we've talked about it. It's a complicated problem. But, you know, there's a famous story about – Two two men driving along and they see a fence out in a field, and one guy says, "Wow, that what is that fence? We should just tear that fence down." And the other guy says, "Well, maybe we ought to think about why the fence is there in the first place before we <laughs> yeah, immediately start ripping it." Down. So we well, maybe we ought to think about why immigration, illegal immigration, is a problem, and how how it is we can thoughtfully solve it. Mm. But demagogic. Um, Easy, simple prescriptions that that aren't even band aids. They're just they're just simple statements. All of which, on examination, prove to be really complicated. Yeah. You know, I, I guess unless you're a smart negotiator. Well, well, and then he's always like, "Let's bring in my negotiators." I don't know the names of all of them, but he's got all these people. Just have them make that deal. Let this yeah. person cut the deal with. And China. then if things go bad, we'll just declare bankruptcy. <laughs> It's a crazy crazy discussion. Let's come back. We'll have more with Joe Cannon when we come back. Um, I really want to get into the 14th Amendment because that's been brought up. And then he backed away from it. We'll get into that. Uh, Plus, we'll give you some more of Trump's great uh, quotes about immigration, about the good people. He'll let the good people back in. It's interesting, folks. Trump again. He's on it. And my issue is why is everyone taking his lead except, you know, They want some of the power that Donald's picking up, I think, some of the press. Stick with us. We'll be back. More with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, when we come back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're talking uh, with our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, here. He's also the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation um, here, uh, which is an organization, if you go to fuelfreedom.org, trying to help us lower our uh, fuel costs here in the United States. We'll be getting to a little discussion about that and what's going on with fuel prices uh, worldwide. 
But Joe, as our insider, uh, he's helping us understand a little bit about what's going on, especially I wanted to talk to him about the policies that Trump is proposing. And in fact, Mike, will you play for us um, clip number uh, – we've been talking about immigration. Let's do a couple of them. Clip number 10. We're building a wall, and it's going to be a great wall, okay? And by the way, Mexico will pay for it. It's going to be a great wall because I do – I know how to build. And it's not going to cost nearly as much as what they're saying for a crummy wall, but this will be a wall with a very big, very beautiful door because we want the legals to come back into the country. It's going to be a beautiful wall, the Great Wall of Trump. It will probably be gold-looking <laughs> – well, he's, he's, he's compared it to the Great Wall of China, Yeah, by, by the way. Yeah, so, by the way, uh, yeah. interesting little comparison. But th- this is what I think he's, he's saying because when they push on him, so how are you going to do that? Well, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. How, how specifically are you going to do it? Listen to this quote about management. Clip number nine, please. We have no idea how many people are here. We have to get them back where they came from. And the good ones, we will expedite. We will work on it and we will expedite. And you know what it's called? It's called management. With good management, we can do this very, very well. He's, he's a manager. He's a manager. So, A, we don't know how many people are here. So how are we going to find that out? Yeah. The, you know, there's one thing about – there's one aspect of managing in a private business. That's a great thing. Managing in the government, putting, putting yeah. a lot of tools in the government's hand – could end up being a police state. Right. It's, so, it's, it's, it's a just, different game. Yeah. It's not exactly the same. So he's yeah. not probably going to take his Wharton degree and uh, be able to just go manage as easily. I mean, he could mandate. I guess he could become a king. Well, he could follow the lead of uh, <laughs> President Obama and just start issuing executive orders and see who wants to stop him. But, yeah. But, uh, you know, these things are – I'm falling into the trap of being a weak person, but the fact is there are a lot of complications in the things that he said. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then he actually threw out the idea of maybe getting rid of amending the 14th Amendment. Well, he started out saying um, uh, we should get rid of these birthright babies. Right. These, the, a know, baby the, born here. Yeah, yeah, the birthright citizenship. We should get rid of that. Then I think somebody mentioned him the Constitution – <laughs> but there are some, I'm going to say in quotes, really smart legal scholars, conservative legal scholars who are saying we could get rid of it. It's not really constitutional. And that's oh. that's where I want to really focus a little yeah. bit is because it's the, – the fact is <clears throat> these are folks who uh, spent most of the summer mourning over the lawlessness of the – United States Supreme Court in the Obamacare decisions, the gay marriage decision, right. saying they want to write out of the read into the Constitution what they want. Well, that's what that's what some of these scholars are saying, and some are pretty smart. But let me read one yeah. scholar right off. Um, I've looked at the legal arguments against it, and I will tell you, as a Supreme Court litigator, those arguments are not very good. And much as someone may dislike the policy of birthright citizenship, it's in the U.S. Constitution. And I don't like it when federal judges set aside the Constitution because their policy preferences are different. I think it's a mistake for conservatives to be focusing on trying to fight what the Constitution says on birthright citizenship. I think we're better off securing the border. Yeah. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, who has now yeah. embraced the idea of getting rid of it. Now, to be fair, all of them have started to figure out, well, maybe 
that's going to require a constitutional amendment. So that's a good move for mm-hmm. But there are plenty of legal scholars. Mark Levin, who worked in the Department of Justice, um, um, John Eastman, a conservative uh, law professor who worked in the Department of Justice, they read the 14th Amendment and they, they, they completely misconstrue it. It's just really yeah. amazing. But Joe, isn't the mere fact that the, the GOP are having this discussion – um, is it? It seems like it's it's a it's a going to ensure a loss nationally, not even a shot at the White House. Well, if, you, if you're arguing immigration and deportation and yeah. and the Fourth Amendment or Fourteenth Amendment, if that's your argument, and anchor babies, is that a slur? Yeah. If that's the argument you're having, you're losing. It seems like the presidency. Uh, you could be. I mean. Uh, Unfortunately, Republicans have already lost much of the Hispanic vote. Yeah, they right. lost it and not, not sure what could be done to re- recover that unless we get sort of a sensible candidate. I think there are lots of Hispanic Americans who also see immigration as a problem. They just don't want to see some nativist demagogic uh, right. uh, you know, uh, response to it, which slurs them. Yeah. You know, uh, just when the 14th Amendment was passed, by the way, it, it – it talks about people born in the United States subject to its jurisdiction. That's the plain letter of it. But it embodied a, a common law American concept, an American English concept that goes back centuries. The idea that you're born – that you're a citizen where you're born with very tiny exceptions, i.e. children of diplomats, that, right, that sort right. of thing. That is embedded in our law. The conservatives – these conservative scholars and some other conservatives wanting to throw this out, it it just it's it's embarrassing. So so there's actually there's actually a break in <clears throat> camps in the Republican Party. The the party itself has oh definitely oh, oh they're at well, odds. No, that's why Trump is seizing on this. It's it, because there is a part of the party that really does believe everything that he says, but there's a significant part of the party who doesn't. Yeah. Of course, they're stupid and they're uh, Republicans in name only. You know. But, so really, we, I guess we, I, it really seems to be the moderate line, though, isn't it? Is it is it that simple to say? Kind of the the rhinos and the moderates are. And I guess progressive Repu- – I don't know if there's such a thing as a progressive Republican. But yeah. is, that what, is that where the split is? I, I, I don't know. I would not like to say it that way myself. I do not regard myself as a rhino. Yeah, right. I regard myself as a conservative. And, and I've written when I was the editor of the paper lots of editorials in favor of sensible solutions to the immigration problem. Um, yeah, so I, – I think that's not a fair division. Right. Although, although people are trying to make it that division. Is it? Is it? But whether Rhino or not, that I mean, a Tea Partier is really who he's grabbing. Well, some Tea Partiers are. They are. I mean, I think there. It's also a big misnomer. What Tea Party? Most mm-hmm. Tea Party people would identify themselves as economic conservatives, right. worrying about the federal deficit and budget. Uh, and that's obviously that's a, a very legitimate worry. Some of them may also have Trump's views on immigration. Obviously, a lot a, a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's going to end up being a minority within the Republican Party, and for sure, a minority within the United States. Mm. Man, the tangled web. What do you think about uh, the other side of the ticket here, or the Dem- the Democrats, Joe Biden? Well, is that a smart move for Joe Biden to get into this race? 
Well, Joe Biden wants to be president. He yeah. has wanted to be president. You know, he was elected to the Senate when he was 29 years old. Oh, I know. He's been there and a so, long time. So all senators, uh, this is a famous statement in, in Washington, they have 100 senators gathered up in the morning looking in the mirror and they see the president of the United <laughs> States. So he's wanted to be. And then, but then he's also been vice president right. you know, now going on eight years. And all vice presidents would like to be president because now they know how, they know how it can like. be done. And, yeah. You know, so – yeah, I think his only question is, what are the odds that it could be me? What are the odds that, that Hillary is going to implode? It seems like um, she has to implode for him to have – because she he needs her money. He needs – he'd have to steal a lot of money back from her, wouldn't he? Uh, he would. Of course, he has his own sources of donors and and many, many people who contributed to Obama – Actually, don't like Hillary very much. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's so a, a some, some base there, but I don't. Um, I mean, his question has to be, when, if at all, does she implode? Um, because it's not clear that she's going going to implode. I mean, there there are lots of indications. Yeah. Clearly, the polls are showing she's losing to the three leading Republican candidates. Well, actually, she's not losing to Trump in a couple of places, right. but she's losing to Rubio. She's know, losing to amazing. Bush. I mean, uh, in in some pretty big states. So she's close to implosion. And the question he has to ask himself is: If I come in, will that be the coup de grace? Right. Will, will will that change the calculus in such a significant way that? It becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. of implosion. Do you yeah. think he, he just met with Elizabeth Warren? I mean, is she is she the one that you know? She did, did he just go to kiss her ring? Is she the she because she's the progressive side of the Democratic Party, right? She'd pull a lot of the more progressive, the other side of the. I guess Hillary's, I guess, a more moderate. I, I think within, within Democratic circles, within she's perceived of right. as more moderate. Uh, clearly, uh, uh, Sanders has. A huge, mm-hmm. uh, huge resonance with resonance with a lot of the people who Warren would have. Uh, that would be the immediate base for Biden to jump into. He would yeah. say, "Okay, no, I'm I'm that guy. Uh, unlike Bernie Sanders, I'm actually electable." Yeah, uh, and so he that would be his his pitch. Is do you, do you, I mean pre, here's so President Clinton has now has his Secretary of State. President Obama. Or, sorry, yeah. President Obama has his past Secretary of State and his current Vice President that possibly could be vying for the the next president. He's got to have a say. I mean, he's got to want favor or yeah. like one. There's no question that his inclination as between those two would be for for Vice President Biden. Yeah. There's there's a long history of pretty bitter inside fighting between the Obama team and the Clinton team. Uh, yeah, he made her the the um, Secretary of State, but some mm. people say that was a team of rivals. Other people say keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah, uh, and so there's yeah there there's not a lot of love lost between pure Obama people and pure Clinton people. What, what do you think about others? John Kerry, they keep saying, might be licking his chops. John, we know John Kerry wants to be president because right. <laughs> he, already, there, done he already ran for president. Yeah. So, uh, but he'd be it'd be really hard for the successor Secretary of State to run against his predecessor and try to figure out how to put you know distinguish but put some light between the hmm. two of them. Yeah. from a from a policy standpoint, he just have a hard time. Do you, do you sense like a, a guy like Bloomberg, who has his own money, even Trump like money, I guess. Do you think he's looking at it? Because 
Bloomberg he, has looked at it. Because he could step in and, yeah. and self-fund and mm-hmm. be the business answer. Um, he could be, but he would have even a, a smaller constituency than, than Trump has. The, to me, the outside guy to be looking at is Jerry Brown. Oh, I just I Jerry Brown is governor of the biggest state oh. in the country. He's been governor for a long time. He's also run for president. It's, yeah. in, his, it's in his blood. He would have a, you know, an immediate set of supporters. Um, and so he, yeah, and he's, if he there's an outsider that. out there besides Biden who – you know, it could be a serious player. Oh, I would just oh. say, look west. Look, 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 look at look the ground. Yeah, just but look what's going on out west too. Um, hey, uh, what do you, let's talk about fuel prices and world oil. Yes, yeah, I mean, so oil the, oil prices are going down. I haven't checked this morning, but they're in the low forties, uh, forty dollars a barrel. Yeah. Um, so far, that hasn't translated into significantly lower gas prices. And in fact, in some places, gasoline prices are still going up. But in the long term of things, low petroleum prices will beget hmm. low gasoline prices. And, and that's that's a good thing. That's a very good thing for the economy. But it's impacting, um, uh, it's impacting the stock market, right? Um, wow. If I knew everything about it, what impacts the stock market, <laughs> for, for sure, oil prices have an effect. Not not clear what it is. It's affecting the price of those stocks. For Why sure. is it dropping so much? Well, um, is it the word of Iran's fuel coming out? What is it? So s- everything is about supply and demand. Uh, the demand for oil is slightly off. You've got you've got China in not exactly in an economic doldrum, mm-hmm. but but in a you know not in quite as growth mode as possible. So that's one thing. Um, a higher efficiency cars is is another small factor, but it's a factor. Um, the the prospect of Iranian oil coming online, so the prospect of of a more stable Middle East. So you've got you can rely more on Libya, hmm. and you can rely more on Iraq. I mean, whether those things are true or not, yeah. that, that's kind of in, out, out there. Yeah. So so you, so you but basically comes to supply and demand. You're saying okay, demand is slightly less, and supply is is slightly more. So the Saudis made made a bet that they will live with lower prices and and they're kind of succeeding in their bet right now. Interesting. Wow. Anything else we need to be focusing on as you think about the world and politics? Yeah. Well, I, I think we covered some we, of the big, we, we big, hit them all. big things this morning. Uh, you know, we, it's turning into being a much more interesting race than anybody thought about uh, yeah. Even six months ago. <laughs> so you, you've got the the coronation of Hillary in doubt, and you've got seventeen people running on the Republican right. side. The highest one of which has twenty two percent. So it's can, a, can you see Trump? I mean, what mistake? It seems like he's already made so many that don't seem to matter. Is there a mistake he could make that would matter? Well, there could be. I mean, you never. I mean, even an, an he's made overt anti-women statements. Yeah, he's made overt Hispanic statements, racial slurs. He's pretty much hit it all, and yet just isn't stride. Well, again, he's he seems to be capped in the low twenties yeah. uh, as as, as a percent. What will really tell is when people actually go to the caucuses yeah. in January. So the question is, will he implode before January or not? Then he goes into, okay, who's going to vote for this guy? I, mean, then, I guess that's we'll the key, huh? And, and when some start falling out of the race, 
Do you think any will fall out before? Do many fall out before Iowa, or does, do most people try to get to Iowa and that's the? Most people are in right now seem like they're they're in. Although Perry seems to be bleeding a little mm-hmm. bit more than the others, and he could drop out. But um, I think you know if you're if you're a believer, you can say, look, Huckabee came out and won, and he yeah. was a, and he was a pretty dark horse. So, that changed. The so game. Iowa, Iowa can be a game changer for a small player. It's good stuff. Well, Joe, you did it again. Helped us sort through all the chaos. Appreciate you. Thanks, Matt. You Thanks traveling this me. week? Um, headed back to Washington this afternoon. Of you are. Fact. <laughs> back to the center of all the excitement. Joe Cannons, our Washington insider. Go check out his website, fuelfreedom.org. Again, he's the CEO of the Fuel Freedom Foundation, helping lower prices, your fuel prices here in the United States. You ought to thank him for that. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back, uh, wrap up this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, the world, it's in a crazy place, isn't it? And uh, today so far we've been talking about uh, a lot of different stories from all of the political news with Trump and uh, maybe Joe Biden now getting in the race, possibly. He's thinking about it seriously. And Hillary's, uh, you know, white gate scandal that people are talking about or alleged, I guess, scandal. It's it's a funny thing because we go back to the the entire uh, the, the beginning of the show where we talked about those three Americans who stepped in and ended up you know foiling um, an, an attack on a train from Amsterdam on the way to France and it was such a it's such a I think telling um, story about how times are changing these three Americans and a Brit. Basically stopped a train attack. The guy had 300 rounds of ammunition and and different guns. He was ready to uh, take on a bunch of people um, on a train. And yet three or four guys step in, stop him, hog tie him, save uh, save a lot of lives. And are are you ready for a world like this? Right. And, And as we learned about from Joe Cannon that we, we can get into a demagogue and start following a demagogue and let him lead or she lead us to um, to be really angry and just rebellious. But at some point, we also have to have somebody that will think through what's going on. Uh, for example, there was a study that just came out. Nearly half of moviegoers, they say, will pay extra for theater security, right? So you've heard a lot of shootings that happen in these theaters, movie theaters, and um, do you have an appetite for shouldering the extra costs that will need to be there to install a metal detector in a theater? Forty-eight percent of those that were surveyed are fine with paying one dollar more for the additional measures, but only twenty-three percent said they'd pay two dollars and more. Are you willing to just recognize now that security, whether on a train or a bus or at a movie theater, it's it's not quite guaranteed? It's not what it used to be. Are you willing to pay more? Or is it now just the time that you just start watching Netflix then? No more need to to go pay more. I'll just start watching 
TV at home. We already know movie theaters, uh, you know, there, there's lower attendance anyway. But how about travel? When you hear about people getting shot up on a train now, which is the primary, you know, source of transportation back in uh, Europe, boy, now all of a sudden we're not going to take trains anymore? It's a crazy time, and it's easy to just get scared, and it's easy to just start chasing the person that's the most vocal and the most angry and the one that's going to promise to do the most. But you got to be realistic. It's not enough to just say you're going to do something. If you're going to start electing leaders to deal in this crazy time and deal with this crazy time, they got to get results. Holy cow. we got to get people that can see through the immediate reaction and hopefully um, create a safer environment for everybody. So take it seriously as you're out there listening to these candidates. Listen for their answers. Do their answers seem to resonate with you? That's one of the, the, the things that seems like the more, for example, Hillary Clinton talks, the more her numbers go down for her trustability and trustworthiness because people listen through it. And they, they hear what her tone is. And by the way, so listen don't just don't just like what they say emotionally. Are they the one that can do it? And when they get to their solutions and their answers, do you hear the answers and solutions that are realistic? You know, with Trump and with all of them, if everyone's going to jump on the same bandwagon, we got to be careful. Let's look for uh, some true leadership like we saw by those three Americans and the Brit just making something happen right then. We'll take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back to start a whole new hour. Next hour, great stuff, uh, new learning to help you live longer. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number two of the show where we help you live longer, love stronger, and lead healthier lives. Welcome to the program. I'm your coach, Dr. Matt, your guide on the side. What a great uh, what a great show we got for you coming up. Uh, Dr. Robert Storage will be joining us in uh, just a few moments to talk about male and female pain management. Uh, according to some new research, the men and women process chronic pain differently. And forever we've been trying to treat them the same in their chronic pain management, and apparently that's been a mistake. So uh, he's going to be talking to us about his latest research. So if you personally or somebody you love have been struggling with chronic pain, that is, uh, that's an interview you're not going to want to miss, my friends. You're going to want to be there for that one. Also, um, this morning, it is a happy National Waffle Day. We figured it out. Kathy brought that up last hour. It is National Waffle Day, Yummy. which is a big deal. But, you know, it's... Would you rather have National Waffle Day or National Pancake Day? Mm, I'm a pancake guy myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love a good crispy waffle. I like waffles because they hold their own syrup, mm-hmm. right? You can Just kind of go you can load You can load it up mm-hmm. and then it'll deliver for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a really good day. So happy Waffle Day to you. Also, those that are celebrating other days that want a little diversity in your life, happy Knife Day. Or happy uh, Pluto Demoted Day. 
This was the day. Um, the 24th was in 2006 was when Pluto was demoted to a dwarf planet. It was a very, very sad day. We've talked about it a lot since uh, they sent that that ship out to go take pictures of Pluto. And then did you? And then that sad. The pictures they mm-hmm. sent back were of a really sad, dejected planet, <laughs> overwhelmed with the new dwarf planet status. So we're That's trying to depressing. lift. We're trying to lift its self esteem <laughs> just a little bit more. Hey, um, that uh, that's going on. We've also we'll be talking again with Doctor Storage, and um, one of the things that I really we've got to focus on is: Did you hear about this defense lawyer in Pittsburgh? This is a pretty um, this is a pretty gutsy thing, but it's smart when you when it when you get into like pain management. Um, the divorce lawyer skips hearing a hearing so his wife in labor won't kill him. <laughs> But he had to basically beg the judge. So a Pittsburgh defense attorney got a hearing postponed at, le- at the last minute after convincing the judge that his wife's labor was a matter of life or his death. Very Mark true. Daphner was granted a continuance <laughs> Thursday after filing a blunt request with Pittsburgh City Court Magistrate. It read, defense counsel's wife went into labor at approximately 11.15 a.m. today, and the defense counsel will be killed by his wife if he does not get to the hospital immediately. Daphner says the district attorney and judge agreed to the move. His client is charged with receiving stolen property. And Daphner says, I didn't have a legal reason for the continuance, but that was the truth. That's a good reason. Yeah. Again. I mean, would your wife have killed you if you had missed any of your children's oh, births? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. She wants me there to suffer with her. <laughs> she wanted me to go uh, through the pain. If only you guys her. could just have a little bit of that pain. <sighs> you know what? I do. I've passed kidney stones. And that's the man's version, I hear. It is horrible. But I'd rather, I've, then I've talked to women that have passed kidney stones and babies, mm. and they said they're the same. But they, this woman did it at the same time. Oh, wow. I mean, what a bad timing. But I wonder if the, the epidural could probably help with the kidney stones. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, that, I think so. Oh, I'd give anything to have an epidural with my <laughs> kidney stones. <laughs> I would love to. Now, it. what you need to do is you need to just kind of curl in a ball, uh-huh. and as soon as you're having a pain, a pain attack, is when they give you the shot and they tell you to hold still. Oh, yeah, hold still that? while you're having a contraction. That's a little, little difficult. That's a good you point. Just want to go, you, you hold still. Yeah, like when they're sticking that needle in my wife's back, I'm always oh, like, you know what? I'm yeah. going to go get lunch. Do yeah. you want lunch? <laughs> I'm out of here. I don't want to. I don't want to. Waffle sounds pretty waffle good right on now. Waffle day. <laughs> anyway, so if you need to, you can always say your wife will kill you if mm-hmm. you're not at the delivery. Get you out of a lot of stuff. Uh, Let's go to the headlines. Kathy Aiken, find out what's going on. Well, Matt, the Dow opened down more than 1,000 points this morning. This coming after China's largest exchange loss of over 8% of its value, making it a drop of 38% from the mid-June peak. China is the world's number two economy, and investors are betting its economic slowdown is worse than government information indicates. France this morning bestowed its nation's highest award on three Americans and one British businessman after they tackled a gunman on a high-speed train Friday with 500 passengers on board. President Francois Hollande awarded the men the Legion of Honor after subduing a 26-year-old Moroccan man who entered the train with an assault rifle and other weapons. The three U.S. heroes have been friends since childhood, and one of those is Anthony Sadler. Hiding or sitting back is not going to accomplish anything, and the gunman would have been successful if my friend Spencer had not gotten up. So I just want that lesson to be learned going forward um, in times of like terror like that to please do something. They'll just stand by and watch. 
The other two Americans were Alex Garlados and Spencer Stone. Chris Norman is the British businessman. The suspect told his attorney his plan was to rob people on the train after finding the guns in a public garden nearby. He's being detained and questioned by French, French counterterrorism police. With Hillary Clinton's email scandal not going away, Vice President Joe Biden met with Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren in Washington over the weekend. The meeting fueled speculation about Biden's potential run against Clinton. Sources say the two talked about the economy, foreign policy, and the middle class. IndyCar driver Justin Wilson is in a coma this morning after sustaining a head injury at Pocono Raceway in Pennsylvania yesterday. Wilson was hit by a large piece of debris that broke off a car that hit into the wall. Wilson is undergoing further evaluation at a local hospital. NFL Hall of Famer Chris Carter is in hot water after a video from a rookie symposium last year was released recently. Here's what he said. In case y'all not going to decide to do the right thing, if y'all got a crew, you got to have a fall guy in the crew. (laughs) All right? Now, I let my homeboys know. Y'all want to keep rolling like this? Then I need to know who's going to be the fall guy, who's going to be driving, because y'all not going to all do the right stuff now. All right? So I got to teach y'all how to get around all this stuff, too. If you're going to have a crew, one of them fools got to know he going to jail. We'll get him out. We'll get him out. (laughs) The NFL said the comments were unfortunate and inappropriate and not representative of the league's message. Carter, an ESPN analyst, apologized, saying after seeing the video, he realized how wrong he was. The video, which appeared on NFL.com, has been removed. Two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Oh, got him. (laughs) Don't you remember that? Totally. It means what? The, the Big, Big Mac. Mac. It's yeah. My, yeah it's do you love the Big Mac? Up. Yeah, still do. Well, one British man apparently loves them so much, he ate 17 Ugh. in one hour recently. Oh. Adam Moran is a competitive eater. I want to be – that's a good title. It is. a competitive is. eater. <laughs> so with those 17 Big Macs, he downed 9,520 calories, 16,000 milligrams of sodium, and 799 carbs. Oh. Moran is a YouTube has a YouTube page, and after hitting 1,000 subscribers, he wanted to celebrate by eating 25 in an hour, but he hit the wall – 35 minutes in and had to settle for 17. Loser. Loser. You could only eat what 17. What a loser. Oh, that's how, Holy that sounds cow. awful. I'm sorry. Dude, Chris Carter. Was that just ridiculous? Could you, can you believe it? And he's usually the guy that stands I up know. for, you know, do what's right. That was, yeah, not good. It's not just good. one of those moments that you don't think's being recorded and you're saying, yeah. and of all things these guys need to hear is, yeah, have a fall guy. Yeah, hey, just in case you don't do what's right, just make sure somebody's there to have your back. I mean, yeah. come on, that was very bad. That's yeah, crazy. Not good. My, I mean, Mike's my fall guy, but I would never tell him to be my fall guy. He's he, just, he just assumes that. He's the guy just, that's yeah. unspoken agreement, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. If someone's going to jail here, it's going to be you, Mike. Yeah, and I'm on parole for how many years <laughs> yeah, now? For? I know, and that was just a parking thing. That was weird. Yeah, the BYU parking police are yeah, pretty tough. They, they don't tried like to... it when you put javelins <laughs> in the back of your truck. I know. It's so weird. So weird. Well, well done. Well done, Kathy. Man, uh, she brought us a little bit of everything, including the Big Mac. You don't want to ruin your Big Mac attack by eating too many Big Macs. It'll kill you, apparently. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, um, we're going to be talking with Dr. Robert Sorge, He is a professor at uh, University of Alabama and has been doing some research about how men and women process chronic pain differently. Remember, this is is an important deal because a lot of people are getting hooked on pain meds because of how they process their, uh, their pain. 
and we've been treating men and women exactly the same according to his research. We might want to change those protocols up a little bit. We'll be talking with him, finding out some insight on that as well. Also, remember, trying to help you live longer. That's one of the goals of this show, bringing you the latest research. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Do you have somebody in your life that suffers chronic pain? Um, By the way, did you know that women outnumber uh, men as sufferers of chronic pain? And yet what we're going to find out when it comes to research, we might be performing more research on male uh, mice and rats than we are females. And uh, one of our our next guests here, um, Dr. Robert Sorge, Assistant Professor of Psychology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. He has uh, he's found some pretty interesting um, findings that males and females may actually use very different biological systems to process their pain. Dr. Sorge, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. And talk to us. I mean, chronic pain, it's a... It's a big deal, and um, I, I mean, I, I know personally quite a few people that are actually even becoming addicted because of their their treatment of their chronic pain. So to me, it's it's kind of exciting to figure out that uh, you know maybe we're not the same when it comes to men and women and chronic pain. Teach us what you're learning. Well, I mean, and what what you're saying is absolutely true. Um, it is a very big problem uh, in the U.S. and worldwide right now. Um, the fact that prescription painkillers are, you know, one of the number one abused substances tells us that this, this is a significant problem. Um, what we're finding in our mice is that while they, both the male and female mice show the same amount of pain, the cells that are responsible for that seem to be different. Huh. And so when we're looking at, at drugs that target those cells, those drugs really will only work for one sex. And if that is something that translates into humans, then that's definitely a problem for Wow. Treating. I mean, that's a huge finding. Like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> I mean, isn't that – it's fantastic. Is, is it because we are using – I read in one of your articles that we women tend to suffer more, dramatically more chronic pain than men do. Is that right? It is. Now, I mean, there there can be multiple reasons for that. It may be that, you know, men are told to stick it out. Yeah, true. Uh, whereas, you know, females, uh, you know, are more likely to get help. Um, but it does seem for a lot of conditions, females are just more susceptible. Hmm. Uh, now, whether that's a, a sex difference, a pure sex difference or not, I mean, sometimes we're not totally sure. But they definitely represent 60 to 70 percent of the chronic pain population. And it, Oh, my heavens, that's crazy. Do you know, I mean, 60 to 70 percent, and then you also mentioned in your article that the majority of the research we're doing were on male mice. Yes. And that makes a difference, apparently, because you're finding that the male and females process it differently. Yes. And so for the longest time, people have believed that, you know, because female mice and female humans, I mean, they cycle, their hormones cycle. Right. And so the belief was that due to this cycling, their pain sensitivity was going to be changing and it was going to be just a big problem uh, for using mice. Um, we know that that really doesn't make much of a difference. Their cycle really doesn't change their pain sensitivity, but the inertia in the field has been, well, you know, you can just avoid that by just testing males. 
Hmm. Um, and so people <laughs> have just done that. And yeah. so, you know, not for any, you know, real reason other than, well, everybody else tests male, so why would I want to do this again in another sex? Interesting. You know, in a lot of cases, it may not make a difference. Um, yeah. Depending on what you're testing, it may make no difference whether you're using males or females. But for something like this, it definitely makes a huge difference. So talk about your research and, and what how you discovered. I mean, you said it actually it's it they we they suffer the same pain but they the cells that take care of the pain or manage the pain are different depending on gender yes talk about that so what we had found initially we were looking at specific receptors in part of the immune system and we found that those receptors really were only active uh, for mediating pain in male mice hmm. now those receptors happen to be on immune cells called microglia so we thought, well, instead of testing all of the different receptors, let's just see what happens if we just block the actions of those microglia altogether. And when we did that, we could reverse the pain, make the animals feel a little bit better, but only the male mice. Huh. And so that got us thinking, well, you know, if the females are showing the same amount of pain, so after we do, after we do a, a minor injury, the animals show a little bit of hypersensitivity, and if we give them these drugs, the males get better. I mean, it doesn't last for very long because the drug wears off. But the males get better. The females don't. Hmm. So that got us thinking, well, what, what, what's going on? Yeah. And what will the females actually be using? So through a whole series of different studies, we tried blocking different aspects of those cells and the, the molecular pathways. We figured out that the females are actually using T cells. So both the males and females have microglia, and they have T-cells. But it seems like for the males, the microglia are the ones that are releasing these chemicals in the body to cause mm. this inflammation. The females are using T-cells. T, T or P? T. T-cells. Because, yeah. oh, how interesting. So when you, when you sit there and you think, so we've been creating drugs, I guess, to manage microglia pain. Yes. And yet these poor women are suffering... And they would need the release of the chemicals through the T cells, not not the microglia. Holy yeah. cow! Yeah. So I mean, in these that's a these big cells deal. Are reducing the sort of chemicals that are causing this this sensitivity. Yeah. So, I mean, if you if you get an injury, you've got cells that respond to that injury and make the area sensitive so that you protect it. Uh huh. So during the sort of repair process, you want that area to be protected. Now, for the males, it seems like the microglia are the ones that are releasing these chemicals. And so if you block those chemicals, then that hypersensitivity goes away. Yeah. For females, it's a different cell type. Now, what was really interesting is that both sexes have both pathways. And they can use either pathway, but it seems to be a preferential thing that's dependent on testosterone. Oh, is it? So testosterone chooses microglia? Yes. And, but, so it's not the estrogen. It's not female hormones. Nope. It seems to be testosterone. Interesting. So it's really the men are the aberration. <laughs> In this case, it surely is. Good. Yeah, so it's testosterone does seem to be uh, sort of inhibiting or blocking the T-cell phenomenon. Isn't that? I mean, if there's got to be so many women frustrated. So have you tried this in human uh, trial? No. Now, there are some, some uh, human trials now with some of the same drugs that we're using, and they found sort of mixed results. Now, in most of those trials, they tend to lump, you know, males and females together. Yeah. Um, and just say, well, you know, the drugs don't really work. Now, 
hopefully with with the publication of our paper, they're going to start looking within those trials and seeing whether there might have been differences in the effectivity or the efficacy of those drugs between the men and the women. Wow. What a big deal. We we could be totally missing the boat. I mean, could this lead to more addiction? I guess if we're not treating them for pain, they might use more drugs than they might need to use. Well, I mean, in most cases, the drugs just may not work. Um, Just purely, you know, it just wouldn't have much of an effect. And, you know, if you're living with chronic pain and somebody prescribes you a drug that doesn't relieve your pain, you know, you're just going to not take it. And, you know, sadly, those people are going to be living with more pain. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, really, it it seems like what took us so long? (laughs) What do you think, Doc? I mean, this is it's a pretty basic Finding, really, I guess, isn't it? I mean, you probably had to go 50,000 iterations to get there. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of it just had to do with this this belief that, well, why would they be different? Yeah, we're you know, so well, much alike. Yeah, you know, you do this sort of injury, you see the same amount of sensitivity, why would there be any difference? And depending on what level you, you do, um, you know, we, we also gave them uh, drugs that just block any pain transmission. Well, those drugs work fine in both the males and females. So, depend, you know, if you're looking at, you know, just blocking that signal altogether, yeah. then, you know, then it, you can use the same drug in, in males and females. But if you're actually looking at the mechanisms, then it, you start to, you know, get differences. And I think for a long time, you know, it was just this belief that they're probably not different. It's going to take me, you know, twice as many animals to, to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep it simple, right. Plus, yeah, yeah, you can buy the male rat, you know, two for a dozen or a dozen for two bucks or whatever. (laughs) Just keep it. Anyway, that's kind of rude. Um, Hey, uh, let's do this. Let me make – let's take a break. I want to come back and have you talk a little bit more just about um, the the future, what this means for the future and what it might also mean for – for, for men and women, and really are some of the illusions about women being having a, a higher tolerance for pain. We always hear about that because they've got to go deliver babies. Do they really have that? We'll talk more with Dr. Robert Sorge from the University of, um, of Alabama at Birmingham. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, on the line with us is uh, Dr. Robert Sorge. He is an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and he suggests that males and females may use very different biological systems to process pain. Holy cow. Honestly, to me, again, I'm just a novice, but what a major discovery when you think about 70 percent, 60 to 70 percent of those that are suffering chronic pain are women. And uh, now we might be figuring out why, because men and women use different, uh, you know, biological systems to process the pain, which means if you're going to try to stop the pain, you're going to probably have to stop them in different ways. Dr. Sorge, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Super cool, I think, research, Um, especially, I mean, when it seems like 
if women are suffering disproportionately to to having chronic pain, it seems like that would have been more obvious that there was something different going on, wouldn't it be? Well, you would think, but, you know, again, I mean, it, it for a long time it was believed that, you know, it may just be because they're reporting it more. Oh, often. that's right, that's right, like a reporting issue, huh? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, if, the, if they're reporting it more, then that's why there is more. I mean, for, for a long time, I mean, nobody thought to look, you know, whether there might be a biological difference. Mm. I mean, what's fascinating about this is, a, how many other issues are like this in the body? And it be, it compare, you know, and it was really the, you're saying the testosterone of the male is what was creating the difference. Yes, yes. Now again, I mean, I guess I should uh, mention, you know, as sort of a disclaimer. I mean, yeah. all of this stuff is you know is in, in mice, mice, right? And you know, whether it, it translates directly to people uh, or not, it's hard to say at yeah. this point. Um, but it very well could. Um, and so again, yeah, it's it's really hard to know, you know, how much of this sort of biological difference there are. Um, you know, women do disproportionately suffer from a lot of other uh, things as well. Hmm. So it, it could very well be an immune system difference. That's, uh, it's, to me, it's fascinating. Is it true, is the old wives tell that women have a higher tolerance of pain true? Um, I would have to say no. Okay. So um, it, it, are we the same? <laughs> So there, there has been a lot of uh, study in, in recent years. Uh, my my last mentor uh, did a paper not too long ago, looking at sort of the general idea between uh, you know looking at these sort of different sensitivities. So in doing sort of pain testing on people, you know, looking at their sensitivity to heat and cold and pressure and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Women tend to have a lower threshold, meaning they're a little bit more sensitive to pain um, than men. Now, that's just sort of acute sensitivity. You know, when, do, when is something painful to you? Yeah. Um, and so they seem to be a little bit, more, little bit more sensitive. Now, in terms of, you know, bodily-type pain, men, in my understanding anyways, men seem to have higher thresholds for sort of peripheral pain, you know, broken arms and limbs and huh. sort of damage. Women seem to be have a much higher tolerance for this sort of internal pain. Okay. Uh, so gastrointestinal and that sort of thing. So, you know, they're better able to deal with that. And, you know, that may be why, you know, we see like the man cold and stuff like that. Yeah. It hurts so bad. <laughs> yeah. My sinuses are killing me. Yeah. It's interesting. So it's kind of the inter- internal versus external pain. Yeah. Well, and too, I mean, if you're going to carry a human in your body, it yeah, seems like you'd exactly. probably get the internal pain down. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. amazing? And so what, what I think, uh, you know, just another uh, really neat aspect to this, um, so the, the research that's still going on at McGill um, is actually looking at the sort of, uh, you know, pregnancy. Mm. Um, because one of the things that, that we know is true in, in humans and in, in animals is that the immune system changes during pregnancy. And during pregnancy, these sort of drugs that work only in males start to work in the females. Oh, wow. Um, so their immune systems are changing in a way that allows sort of it shifts the focus from, from T cells to microglia. And so these, these drugs work. Of course, as soon as they have, you know, the, the mice anyways, as soon as they have their babies, it shifts right back. What, and is that just, do women have more testosterone on board while having a baby? Well, we're not really sure whether it's a testosterone type thing in that hmm. case um, yeah. or not. Um, you know, I, we, I just check it. I'm just saying, Robert, go check that. 
<laughs> I have no idea. No, that's cool. Because I have a daughter that's pregnant, and we've had a bunch of kids, and I sit there and I think, yeah, because, yeah, there's there's something going on, um, and you, I guess you're you're proving it that they're yeah. they they now are basically processing pain the same way a male would, but only while they're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, and it may be because in order to protect, you know, if if we can sort of take this on a very sort of yeah. grandiose scale, you know, in terms of, you know, this whole hunter-gatherer type society, men are more likely to have these sort of peripheral injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, women, of course, because they're giving birth, are more likely to have these sort of this internal pain. Yeah. But while you're, you know, growing, <clears throat> growing a, a new life inside you, you know, you may need to be able to deal with those peripheral pain a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it may be this sort of evolutionary shift um, that goes on. I mean, we know it does happen in, in human females. Um, their chronic pain, in some cases, tends to actually get better during pregnancy. Do, do you keep you keep saying uh, immune immune system? Is this part of the immune system? Yeah, so the microglia are part of what's called your innate immune system. Huh. So that's that's there at birth. Um, it's there to recognize, you know, these sort of general uh, bacteria, viruses, um, these sort of things. They respond to tissue uh, injury, these sort of general things that, you know, just about every type of bacteria has a similar cell wall structure. Hmm. And these cells are there to sort of they serve as sort of a surveillance system to make sure that, you know, everything is still okay, and if it isn't, they respond. Now, what people normally think of in terms of the immune system is actually called your adaptive immune system. And so that's, you know, if you go and get a booster shot or a flu shot and something like that, you're working on, you know, creating these antibodies that are going to, you know, fight this infection if you get the flu. Now, that uses T-cells. Oh, interesting. So again, you know, they're they're all part of the immune system, but the immune system is sort of split into yeah. two parts. But and it really is a moving target, I guess, is what we're finding about out about the human body is that it's not it's not this static thing. It's it's there's kind of a dynamic chemical change that at least takes place when they're pregnant. But yes. take and women and men are different. It's this it's more dynamic than we think. Yes, yes, much more so. That's cool learning, really, because. I mean, wow, how many things we might be able to cure or handle better just by simply understanding those dynamics? Yeah, and I think at the very least, um, we're hoping that our study at least makes this something that people are going to start looking at. Yeah. You know, at least, you know, in these clinical trials, you know, just don't lump everybody together. You know, have a look. You know, it doesn't take very long just to see whether... You know, whether this drug is working in one sex or the other, I mean, it, it makes more sense not to lump all these people together just, right. to, just to see. You know, and if, if it's working exactly the same, then fine, you know, put them together. But at the very least, they should look. Well, yeah, like, duh. <laughs> we already do that for everything. We already charge women more for their clothes and their shoes. <laughs> we may as well start charging them more for their drugs. I mean, that sounds horrible, but the reality is if it – Finally, to have painkillers that might work, that's yeah. fantastic. Now, here's the deal, though, Robert. You're a young professor, really, relatively, I'm assuming. I, mean, I don't know yeah. your age, but you're a young guy, and it's it, it's got to blow away some of your um, some of the faculty that were your you know the the guys you grew up with. Do they, what do they look at you and think? 
Look at this young punk questioning everything. <laughs> well, I think probably that's a lot of it. Is it? Um, well, it's and, a huge know, a breakthrough. Of, I mean, a lot of it also comes from uh, my mentor. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's been known to sort of, I guess we should say, stir the pot. Okay. Um, so he's been a, a really big champion of this, this idea of, you know, looking at sex differences, and he's been doing that for years. Um, and so it really sort of came from my training that, you know, when I was working with him, that's what we did. We always used male and female mice just just in case, mm. just in case there was a difference. And so I think a lot of it just comes down to, you know, that's been that's been my training anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, it has, you know, caused a few a few ripples, you know, this this idea that, you know, you may have to start doubling the number of animals, or at the very least, including sure a, a sample, um, some, some, some samples. Yeah, I mean, again, we women have been crying for equality, but you know, when it comes to comes to pain management, maybe you don't want to be equal, right? Well, you know, in some cases, maybe not. Now, you want to you, know, you want to you want to be clear on what you have and how you process. Yeah, and yeah. I think that that's really the key. That is, um, the key. we've we've published a few papers in the last few years looking at sort of genetic differences. You know, differences that aren't necessarily sex specific, right. but depending on which gene you have, these drugs are either going to work or not. Yeah, and so I think we may be oh, moving wow. into that sort of individualized medicine where you know you go in, you have your you know they look at your genes and figure out all right these these class of drugs are going to work for you, these ones aren't. Interesting. You know, it's it may cost a lot more, but the amount of the money that you save in terms of not being treated appropriately uh, may be well worth it. That's so interesting. So, yeah, it might not even be gender-specific, but now gene-specific. So you'll go in, you'll have a makeup on your genes, you'll figure out, yeah, he's got this one, and you'll have specific drugs designed for your genes. Yeah. Holy cow, man. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we had done a paper a few years ago looking at, you know, one of these sort of immune system uh, receptors. And depending on, so this was in a sample primarily of women um, with uh, osteoarthritis or, or other kinds of pain. And depending on which, which of these genes they had, or which version of the gene, I should say, um, these drugs either worked really well or didn't. Hmm. And they either showed a lot more pain or less pain. Wow. And so, you know, knowing knowing which gene you have is going to actually allow, you know, physicians to give you drugs that should work and to avoid ones that don't. <laughs> How novel. I mean, isn't that cool? I mean, this it's is stuff very- that we didn't even think about a few years ago, and it's it's probably the future of our medicine. Yeah, well, I think it is. Um, you know, like there are, you know, for very severe pain, you know, the morphines and oxycodones, I mean, those seem to work pretty well for everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, those are, you know, they're heavy doses. Those paralytics, right? Yeah, paralyzes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, for the sort of chronic pain that people are dealing with on an everyday basis, it may very well go to the sort of individualized sort of treatment. Huh. But wow, what a blessing for these people that are suffering and have tried everything, but it just keeps missing the mark because we're trying everything in the wrong without understanding the gene level or the cell level. That's right. It's cool. Is um, what do you think this will do? I guess down the road to the abuse of painkillers and and drugs like that. Well, I mean, again, you know, some of the the really severe pain is really only treated with with a few of these drugs anymore. Hmm. Um, you know, these opioid drugs. I mean, they they they're terribly abused, but they are the best we've got for really severe pain. 
Um, I'm hoping that, you know, this sort of individualized medicine, you know, you will start seeing more sort of cell-specific type drugs come out in the market in the next few years, and that should, you know, reduce the need for those kind of kind of drugs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Now you just got to go, I guess, prove that it works in humans. That's right. <laughs> wow, what a great the job. Next step. Well, we appreciate you, and cool work, really. Uh, again, as somebody that ends up treating a lot of people, and, and just to finally know that there's, you know, at least with mice, there's some there's some difference. It's powerful. Dr. Robert Sorge, so appreciate you. Keep up the great work there at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Thank you very much. You bet. Take care. Honestly, folks, that is cool. And it's also, it kind of validates this idea of think out of the box. I mean, he had a mentor that would just start pushing. There's got to be a difference between male and female at some level uh, when it comes to this pain management. And you push it long enough, you might learn something. You don't have to push on it everywhere. Come on. But, wow, it's cool. It's cool. And imagine one little change like that, just researching more females, just more female mice could make a huge difference down the road. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back, do a little Coach's Corner. Stick with us. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Man, love this research by uh, Robert Sorge um, about how men and women process chronic pain differently. You know, it's powerful to me. Um, more and more, you just see, you know, they, they keep saying there's a war on women. But that's an interesting example where there honestly may have been not maybe a war in that case, but an ignorance to women. Forever they've been testing and doing pain trials and clinical pain studies using only male mice and rats. And if an, if the if a female actually processes her pain and chemicals differently than a male, then no wonder 70% of chronic pain sufferers are women. If we're not even you know studying women, instead we're studying male rats, and now they're finding out that women and men process their pain differently. Holy cow. A war, the war is ignorance. And many of us may simply be more ignorant than we think to some of the differences. We always talked about the obvious differences. Women seem to use more words than men. And a lot of people still believe that. But according to the latest research, women and men use virtually the exact same amount of words. Right? I, for men, they're always like, I don't think so. My wife seems to talk a lot more. Everybody's you know, got, going to have a different standard. But the research shows really when it comes right down to it, men and women use virtually the exact same amount of words. We just use them differently. One of the things they found in the study is the person in their study that used the most amount of words were men in the study. The one that used the least amount of words in the study were men. See, there's a spectrum here, right? But uh, we we want to assume differences. And I, I wouldn't assume differences um, just because, you know, I'm, I want to keep women different from me. 
But I, I like to assume people are different from me inherently just so it keeps me curious to find out what they're thinking, right? I don't want to just assume you're like me and you think like me, right? So we just think alike. But we we really, truly uh, have a lot of um, of differences. And when, when it comes to it, uh, I think with your spouse, be careful ever assuming you know what they think or, you know, women are this way. Could we handle a, a female president? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but they're more hormonal, Matt. You know what? Prove it. They have hormones and their hormones shift and their hormones change. One of my favorite books, if you, uh, if you are a female, if you know a female, it's just a great book called The Female Brain by Luann Brizendine. And she talks about it. Yeah. Women have more chemicals flowing through their system when it comes to hormones. But it doesn't make them somebody that couldn't be the president. Are you kidding me? It might make them a better president. And uh, I guess when you get into it, you got to think in a way more complex. It's not just cause effect. I know when I deal with my clients, I have a lot of males that I think are more hormonal than women. They're more aggressive. They're more angry. They're more reactive. There's a reason why more men are in prison. Are we going to just blame that on their hormones? Come on. No way. We're different. We're different. And when we go down the differences, I mean, I've been collecting articles uh, from researchers and experts for years, for 10 years now, about the differences between men and women. Let me just re- read you some of the titles, right? Uh, this is a study that um, that basically proves that women are better at defining relationships than men are. Women with male friends um, have more intimacy than women that have female friends, and they don't have intimacy with their male friends. When it comes to emotions, men and women process emotions differently. That's science daily. I mean, there's we're different. Oh, no, but don't talk about how we're different. Let's just talk about how we're the same. We can't because when we do, we make it so we don't study females. We have to study how women suffer pain and don't assume that how they process their pain, physical pain, is exactly the way a male does. You got to be careful. Calling everybody the same, It's and I'm not talking about the feminist movement. I'm saying sometimes pretending like we don't have differences hurts because the differences matter in many, many ways. Um, there's there's serious science behind the difference between how men and women post on Facebook. Deborah Tannen talks about the serious differences between how women communicate and how men communicate and how they formulate their sentences statistically. It's it's a it's a very very real difference. There's a difference between uh, boys and girls and pornography use, boys and girls and sexual experiences. I mean, which would probably lead to other abuses. Anyway, it's it's a big deal, folks, and we've got to start to understand the differences. And I think if we can't talk about people being different, you're never going to be able to understand it. Many times as I go and start quoting these studies about the differences between men and women, invariably I'll have somebody that comes up and hates me doing that because they think I'm just trying to downplay that that women are different. I'm not. I'm stating a study. 
But man, I bet it's going to help a lot of women if we truly do find out that women process uh, their pain differently than men do using their T cells to deliver pain uh, to the body instead of uh, their other cells that uh, men are more likely to deliver their pain through. And honestly, I bet most women are going to like knowing that eventually. And knowing that that difference means we probably ought to get them a different prescription for their pain management. (sighs) Isn't that interesting? Uh, More. Here's some more headlines. Do men really think uh, women look better without makeup? Would you like to know the answer to that? Um, A wife's happiness is more crucial than her husband's in keeping marriage on track. Isn't that interesting? Did you know that 70% of divorces are filed by women? And you want to bet it has something tied to a wife's happiness? When a man's unhappy, he's still maybe more likely to keep a marriage on track, I guess. When a woman finally is unhappy, it's probably done. That's on Science Daily. Anyway, folks, just remember, we're different and the differences don't have to be polarizing. And it doesn't mean one's better or the other. We're just different. But man, we want to understand it if we truly want to fix the problems in our lives, in our world, in our relationships. It's cool stuff. Stick with us, folks. Uh, we're going to take a break. Hour number two. There it is. It's in the can. Done. Signed, sealed, delivered. We'll take a break. Be back next hour. We will be talking about getting rid of victimitis. Are you a victim? Do you always play the victim card? Recognizing and beating a victim mentality. Kim Giles will be joining us talking about that next hour right here on The Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Man, have we got a great show for you. Happy Waffle Day for all you wafflers. Uh, great, got a great, uh, got a great list of days. Actually, happy Pluto demoted day when it was demoted to a dwarf planet in 2006. Today was the day that happened. Tragic, tragic day. Happy Knife Day. That one just gives me the willies. Happy Vesuvius Day for all of you that are keeping score on how long ago Pompeii fell or was destroyed. And uh, International Strange Music Day. Today we actually let's celebrate International Strange Music because. I don't know if you've heard what's going on in North and South Korea, folks, but there, there's kind of a quasi-war, the headlines are calling it. It's a weird war because of speakers. Okay, North Korea has said to South Korea, turn off your loudspeakers or it's war. And part of that is because North Korea – by the way, North Korea and South Korea both have speakers you know, directed to the enemy, and they use uh, noise and music and sounds to to kind of drive an information, misinformation campaigns to drive the other side um, crazy. Well, North Korea finally has said, look, if you don't turn your loudspeakers off that are playing propaganda, we are going to war. We are going to take you on. So I wanted to research this, and I wanted to find out exactly what is being played over those loudspeakers? And after year, years of research, I've been researching this. 
I finally figured out this is what's playing. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. I mean, if you listen to that, if you just listen to that for a few minutes, keep it up, though, Mike. Let's keep it up. Open Gangnam Style. If you if you keep it up long enough, you know Kim Jong Un's like he starts tapping his toe. All the people in North Korea start bobbing their head to the right beat. <laughs> yeah. That's great research, Isn't that great? Matt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good job of finding that. Yeah, out. I sent our producers on it. And mm-hmm. um, that's actually, why they get paid the big bucks. <laughs> it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, that's not what they're playing. What they're playing, though, is pop music called K pop. And we, we're going to give you a taste of some K pop music. See, I don't understand a word they're saying. It must be North or South Korean. But this is really what's playing, and it's driving uh, North Korea batty. Well, not all of North Korea, just Kim Jong-un. Isn't he already batty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? He hasn't gone to the bathroom. Not to, not to get gross on you, but apparently he's never gone to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is that's honestly, well, that's where we need to send the scientists. Because not only do they have the unicorn lair in North Korea, also that guy's never gone to the bathroom. Did you ever see that the Onion News published an article saying that Kim Jong Un was the most handsome man in the world, and then they Korean North oh, Korean news forwarded re- that on. Yeah, oh, they, they have to it, say that, they, or they'll probably get real. executed. Yeah. Right? The Onion. The Onion is saying that he's the most <laughs> handsome person in the world. Uh, anyway, so the, they're having war over speakers, folks. That's crazy. But you know what? I think if you really want to do it, what they ought to play, and this will change the world, play Let It Go. Because as a song, Let It Go has probably driven more people crazy, especially more parents crazy, per capita than any other song. That's a good idea. Let it There it is. Just made my heart rate go up. Just made my heart rate go up. I really feel like um, it need you know, it, it's it's a beautiful. I mean, it's a good song. Uh, okay, it's it's dry. You're starting to sweat. Stop it! Stop it! Kim, Kim, fire the missiles. Your blood pressure has already gone up, oh I can tell. Oh, my heavens. I'm shaking now. Kim Jong-un. Wait till he gets a hold of Let It Go. The button got stuck. That was weird. Yeah, I never stuck. had that happen. My heart, my heart is racing. Let's go to the headlines and see if uh, Kathy can soothe our hearts. Well, with probably not headlines. with this first story, Matt. U.S. stock markets plunged in the early trading this morning after an 8.5% loss in Chinese stocks. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell more than 1,000 points at the opening. Concerns about a slowdown in China had already shaken markets on Friday, and a big sell-off in Chinese stock today caused the slide to continue. China is the world's second largest economy. 43-year-old Stephen Vincent, a Louisiana state trooper, died this morning, one day after being shot in the head by a man whose truck had run into 
into a ditch. Vincent was trying to help 54-year-old Kevin Daigle when the suspect came out of his truck and shot him with a shotgun. Motorist stopped after seeing the trooper on the ground and subdued him. He is now under arrest. French President Francois Hollande presented three Americans and one British businessman, the nation's legion of honor this morning. That's the nation's highest honor. The men received the award for their quick action after subduing a 26-year-old Moroccan man who came on board their train with an assault rifle and other weapons. With 500 people on board, authorities say they saved many lives. One of the heroes, National Guardsman Alex Scarlatos, tells what he saw. I saw a guy entering the train with an AK and a handgun, and I just looked over at Spencer and said, let's go, go, and he jumped up, and I followed behind him by about three seconds. The other two Americans were Anthony Sadler and Spencer Stone. Chris Norman is the British businessman. The suspect is being detained and questioned by French French counterterrorism police. A new wildfire, the Summit Fire, about 100 miles east of Los Angeles, is forcing evacuations of hundreds of residents. The fire in the Big Bear Resort is only 30 percent contained, and nearly 500 homes are in the fire's path. The blaze is one of more than 65 major wildfires in seven western states. Donald Trump has increased his lead in the GOP presidential race, according to a new Reuters poll. Nearly 32 percent of Republicans surveyed say they back Trump, up from 20 percent. 24% a week earlier. His closest competitor is Jeb Bush at 16%. Ben Carson is next at 8%. When pitted against those two, Trump won 44% of the vote to Bush's 25% and Carson at 19%. NFL Hall of Famer Chris Carter is being criticized after a video from a rookie symposium last year was recently released. Here's what he said. In case y'all not going to decide to do the right thing, if y'all got a crew, you got to have a fall guy in the crew. <laughs> All right? Now, I let my homeboys know. Y'all want to keep rolling like this? Then I need to know who's going to be the fall guy, who's going to be driving, because y'all not going to all do the right stuff now. All right? So I got to teach y'all how to get around all this stuff, too. If you're going to have a crew, one of them fools got to know he going to jail. We'll get him out. We'll get him out. <laughs> The NFL said the comments were unfortunate and inappropriate and not representative of the league's message. Carter, who's an ESPN analyst, apologized, saying after seeing the video, he realized how wrong he was. The video, which appeared on NFL.com, has been removed. A 63-year-old British tourist, Matt, saved himself by scrawling a need for help in the sand recently. Hmm. Jeff Keyes was rescued after two days in the Australian outback when he wrote help on the beach with oh, an wow. arrow pointing to where he was resting. Oh, I, I, wow. I'm right over here, yeah. The retired mechanic was attempting a shortcut back to camp when he got lost, leading him to endure a rough ordeal without food, water, water or shelter. The rescue cost $800,000, and the mm. man was very grateful, but he said he felt, quote, stupid but lucky. Oh, man. Yeah, so help with the little arrow, like, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> help me. I'm the man in the T-shirt and, oh. the, and the swim trunks. Help me. Yeah. Does he have to pay that good. money? I didn't say. Yeah, they may come after him for a little bit of stupidity. He will need know. some help yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that, I mean, tell me how just, oh, you'd feel so weak, so. Oh, yeah. 63 years old. Yeah. Kind of right around your age, right? What was that? Close 63? To, yeah. No. Uh, no? Little, I'm, I'm a little. Little younger than little, that? Just a little younger <laughs> than that. But I actually, I've done those tests to see how old my body is versus what I feel like it is. Mm-hmm. So my age of my body actually is 46. Uh, I feel like I'm about 56. <laughs> And the tests all say I'm about 86. 
Wow, have, you're going down The functionality <laughs> of an 86-year-old male, by the way, with a really good heart. Though. Mm-hmm, very, that's true. Great uh, heart. Yeah. And a big belly. Big belly yeah, holding uh-huh. me big heart. I'm only saying that because you said that yourself. <laughs> no, I, Not that I know I'm why noticing you're no, that no, or no. anything. You keep looking at it. Every time I <laughs> take a bite of my cookie, you just are like. Are you waffle? My waffle. Not true. On waffle yeah, day. It's not true. I've never said you have a big belly, but that's weird. Um, let's take a break. No, we are going to go. I'm not going to play the victim here. I'm not because Kim Giles is in the house. Uh, Kim Giles is going to be enlightening us about. How to beat the victim mentality. You don't want to just fall into the victim mentality where woe is me and you just play the victim in your life. She's a popular life coach, author, speaker. Stick with us, folks. Kim Giles is in the house recognizing and beating a victim mentality. Up next. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us live is Kim Giles, Kimberly Giles. I've never called you Kimberly, I don't think. I don't think you have either. I've called you Kimbalaya, <laughs> Kimmy Crackcorn. <laughs> Kimmy, Kimmy, no. Um, Kimbalaya, I, I like Kimbalaya because Jambalaya. Have you had Jambalaya? I have. Super good. I uh, definitely good. have never been called that before, Everything Matt. goes back to food here on the show. We may actually start doing it as a food show. Sounds fun. Awkwardly, awkward. Kimberly Giles is her name, president and founder of Clarity Point Coaching. She's a popular life coach named, by the way, one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America, one of the top five advice gurus in the galaxy by The Matt Townsend Show. Also has appeared on uh, a bunch of other shows as well as she is a writer extraordinaire. She's published, I don't know, 300 plus articles. You're busy. Been over five years of writing one every week. So. Well, and you don't write <laughs> like up. little. You don't write like little baby articles. You write big articles. For example, somebody asked you a question recently about playing the victim and being a victim. So you write you write this gnarly article that you put out today. That's, yeah. Is it coming out today? Yeah, it came out today on KSL.com. And you're trying to teach us in that article how not to be a victim. But why wouldn't I want to be a victim? A lot of people feel bad for victims. That's true. And there's a lot of benefits to playing the victim, which is why I think so many of us kind of gravitate to that. And I really think most of us learn this as a little kid because almost everybody's family, if you start crying and said, (laughs) but my life's so bad, mom and dad, you got sympathy, love, and attention. And it only took once for you to figure out that, hey, this is a winning (laughs) strategy. This is so good. And then if you notice, they get really dramatic too. Like they'll do a dramatic fall. My kids, I still have younger kids, but they don't do it anymore. But if we offend one of them, and he's the victim, or if he gets hurt, he'll play oh, yeah. it. He'll milk it milk for all he can. It. Yeah, yeah, it's good acting. They're good at it. By the way, soccer players do it too. Well, soccer players are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> the flop, also known as the victim, yeah, drop. rolling in pain. But mentally, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a bad position to be in, isn't it? Because if you're the victim. You, I mean, even if it's real that you've been victimized, it may not be the way you want to play it out. Well, there's a cost to it. And and I want to talk some more about the benefits to yeah. it. But the, one of the big costs is loss of respect. You you can have people's sympathy or you can have their respect. You really can't have both. Interesting, yeah. 
So, so you got to know. You got to know. Yeah, but what you're I, going for. I think the the bigger problem, Matt, is that we might have learned and we may have even milked it as a kid, but for a lot of us, it's now a subconscious program, right? And we may be kind of pulling the victim card without realizing that we're doing it. Yeah. And and all we know is that we're just feeling depressed or sad or upset about our life, and we don't really realize that we're using it. To to get a payoff uh-huh. that does come from that kind of behavior. But yeah, but you're you're kind of it's a pathetic payoff. <laughs> Cuz oh. Well, and I have to be honest with you. I mean, you know, my little bit of my story. Yeah. I I've, I've had some rough stuff in my life. Right. And so I have been able to recognize that tendency on the subconscious level with myself. And I it was really funny cuz I was working on this article over the weekend about victim mentality. <laughs> And I just joined this gym, and at the gym, they give you a heart monitor that you wear every day, and it keeps track of how hard you're working. And so if you're working really hard, you literally get points that pop up that they keep track of to show that you're working hard. Well, my heart monitor won't work. And so I'm not getting any points. You're not getting any credit for all your work. I'm working so hard. (laughs) Oh, man. It's like they're against you. Well, I sat there and went, you know what? This is playing out. Even in my subconscious mind, I'm having this self-pity thing that I paid for this. (laughs) And I'm not getting any points for all my hard work. And it just suddenly dawned on me that that's kind of one of the stories in my life. I try so hard and I still have these health problems. I work so hard. I mean, so we true. can have this and really not realize it. But if you will start watching and become a little bit mindful about your behavior, one of the things I think it's powerful to watch for is is how much do you talk about what's wrong? Yeah. If, you, if that's a big part of your discussion is everything that's bad. And, you know, it always is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ego martyr, don't Well, you? you remember last year I told you I went to this meditation retreat yeah. where I couldn't speak for 10 days. And one of the main things I learned there is that a lot of the things I wanted to say were about the terrible headache that I have. And I, I, when you can't speak, you have to sit there and go, why would you feel the need to tell people that you have a terrible headache? Interesting. But at the subconscious level, we vocalize a lot of what's wrong without recognizing it. And guys, this is victim mentality. How? But you, that's such an interesting thing. And then you, I guess, you did learn that a lot of what you're saying is irrelevant. It's. I mean, it's you're actually doing it to get pity or attention. And yeah, or so, validation. And you had to, to deal know with people that. care about me. You know. Yeah, so I, cool. I kind of made it a goal to try to be mindful and, and not vocalize complaints. I can have a headache and not have to tell anybody that I have one. There's really – it's not serving me or anyone right. to make sure everybody knows that I have a headache today. <laughs> but this is what we do. It's so true. And it's so subconscious. You keep saying that. It's on a very subconscious level. It somehow serves us. Being a victim – Somehow serves us. I guess it really is. We want, we want credit for why we may not be delivering. Maybe yes, that's one of the reasons I think we subconsciously use it as it's kind of our excuse yeah, to get out. out of things. So you got to ask yourself: Is there ever a time you might be acting the victim or telling your story in order to get sympathy, love? Because because we want to feel loved, and I see this a lot on yeah. social media. I'll see people post worst day ever. And that's it. Tell me about it, Stacy. <laughs> and 
And it really is fishing, isn't yeah, it, for it some is, sympathy totally. love to make sure there's people out there that care about you. Right. Um, do you use your sad story to get people to behave the way you want them to or to do things? I hear this from a lot of people that my mom whines about her health and complains because she wants us to help her more and yeah. jump in. Or she'll talk about how she has so much to do today. And it's really about manipulating <laughs> yeah, totally. people. Oh, man. Yeah. I hate that. Um, or do you use it as an excuse to get out of things you don't want to do or so that people won't ask you to do anything <laughs> more? Right. I'm tapped out. <laughs> Daddy's got an aneurysm. Definitely well, use Daddy, it that way. Well, Daddy, if you had an aneurysm, way. you wouldn't be talking. No, I've got one in my head. It's killing me. Just leave me alone. <laughs> Nobody takes care of Dad when he's got an aneurysm. Oh, I, I hear this a lot from about mothers. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will tell me my my mom is the master victim yeah. at using her sob story for manipulation. Right. I've heard that too. I've even experienced it. Or the martyr story. The martyr story. They're very story. similar. Like, that's fine. Nobody cares about me. It's kind of like, oh. Yeah. You're dying for the cause. And, and even sometimes we complain about how horrible we are. I'll, I'm mm-hmm. just – I know I'm a failure and I'm, I'm not dumb. good enough. Yeah. And and even that is totally fishing it's for very, some yeah. validation for someone to tell you you are okay. But in the end, I guess people it, it's you're saying it's just not that's not how you want to come about life by getting pity. Well, like I said, you could have sympathy love but and it does respect. get you that, but people will see you as weak. They will lose respect for who you are. Yeah. So I, I think it's really important that we take a step back and really figure out how we want people to see us. Do we just want them to feel sorry for us? Yeah. Or do we want them to admire and respect us and see admirable qualities in us? And and be intentional about it, not just falling back on some trap you learned when you were four because doing a flop worked. Yeah. So we want to make sure we're choosing behavior consciously and not just letting our subconscious programming, the stuff that worked as a kid, determine our behavior as an adult. No, that's way good. That's way good. So what do we start to do? So if we do notice, we tend to play the victim and we kind of like it a lot and we're really good at it. Okay. The first thing we got to do is I want you to sit down with some paper and and get clear about your victim story. What is your what is your favorite victim story? What do you find yourself talking about most often? And can you identify what it is you're trying to get from it? Because it, I think if you look, you you will be able to see. Hmm. Um, and then really get down on paper what this victim role looks like to other people, what they, how they probably see you. And I, I want a really good description on paper of what me playing the victim looks like and the way people see yeah. you. I think if you have that down first, then I want you to get out another piece of paper and I want you to design who's the person you want to be. How do you want people That's to see idea. you? How do you want to come across? And I think having both of those on paper so you can see clearly your two options. Not working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, would you like them to see you as a champion, as a warrior, as a survivor, as somebody who's strong? And and you really don't have to tell the sob story for them to know that you're going through it. Right, right. Uh, it, makes a lo- it, it makes a bigger impression with people if they just see you making the best of mm-hmm. situations, focusing on the positive – so figure out what that looks like on you're, paper. You're not saying deny the reality of your life. I mean, if you've been hurt or 
you know, held down or pushed down or beaten down emotionally because of something or just some sickness. You're not saying deny it. You're just saying don't make your story be a pity party about that. Well, be about what you want to be. How do you want people to see you dealing with this hard thing that you've been dished? True. Well, I I want to use the hard things that I've been through as a human achievement, right? As a, a chance for me to get stronger, better, wiser, more loving, and. I've got to kind of write that story ahead of time. Um, I had a client recently who went through some really hard situations, and I said, I want you to imagine you're old and gray at the end of your life, and you're looking back at where you are today, and and you're seeing the next year or two. What do you want to see that you did with this hard thing? Write the story now. What do do you want – to see that you you know you achieved and the way you handled it and I want literally you to write the story of the next couple of years now so you can see this option that, that you have solution, that healthy right fix. and then I like my clients to keep those two pages kind of handy yeah. because all day every day those are your two options you can be this guy or you yeah. can be the champion and the warrior and and strong That's so and cool amazing well and and simply to have designed what you want to be you now have a play, a playbook. Otherwise, we only know the victim playbook because right. that's what we always play. <laughs> so we need we need another playbook. clearly defined other option. Yeah. And I find that it, that really helps on paper. I love that. Let's take a break. Um, again, we're speaking with Kimberly Giles from ClarityPointCoaching.com. If you go to her website, again, you can take the fear assessment. You can get our, all of these articles are on there plus videos. She's got all – by the way, remember, more free stuff per pound on her website than any other website and more solution that will help you uh, get to the next point and get clarity, really. We'll take a break, come back more with Kim Giles right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Kim Giles is in the house, president, founder of Clarity Point Coaching. If you go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com, you'll get to all of her latest and greatest uh, resources and tools to help you uh, let go of the fear and take your life back. Today, she's teaching us about letting go of the victim story, and you've given us an activity. Sit down, write your traditional, typical victim story approach where you blame everyone. You've got all these stories that so-and-so's the evil spawn of darkness that's hurting you and they might be your partner and they're the source of all your pain. So get down very clear on paper what you look like, the way you you probably are seen, the way you behave when you show up in your victim role and then also describe your other option of what you being the strong, capable warrior, leader, what that, what that person cool. would look like. So you've got it defined. And then the next thing you've really got to do is you've got to stop blaming situations and other people for how you're feeling. Uh, and this is something we, we all yeah. learned as a kid, too. We, we went to our mom crying and said, well, she made me yeah. feel bad. She hurt my feelings. <laughs> like we can't help, have any control right. over it. And 
mom and dad kind of validated this. Yes, she's evil. Yes. So this, <laughs> <laughs> this is the behavior we learned where the truth is that y- you can't be made to be upset without your participation or permission yeah. to go there. Obviously, uh, I you can already have... hear people recoiling. I know. No, but she she said it, Kim. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what she said, but it was rude. And you yes. don't say rude things like that. And you've never been offended like that, so you don't know yeah. how it feels. Right. I know. I hear that quite often. As a matter of fact, Matt, every time I write this in an article that you have control over how you feel, everybody who's caught up in the victim role writes in and tells me <laughs> that I don't understand. Yeah. And, and by the way, notice they want to tell their story. Of course. They've got to tell their victim story because <laughs> their victim story is different. But it doesn't change the principle you're teaching. Not at all. So this is the bottom line, guys. We do have the power to be bulletproof, Yeah. to not let what other people say or do affect the way we see ourselves or feel about ourselves or our life. We have that power. The problem is that most of us don't know how to use the power. Right. And we don't use it. So we just let our subconscious reactions of hurt feelings drive and, and we don't consciously choose to process this in a healthy way. And you mentioned all the free resources on our website. We have some fantastic worksheets. I've got one called the To Be or Not To Be Upset Worksheet. Hmm. And literally, if you are upset, you print that off and fill it out. And by the time you get to the bottom, you'll be able to see that you've got other options. Upset is one option. Sure. But it's never your only one. Right. So – I would encourage everybody to go get that worksheet. I think That's it's great. really, valu- really, really valuable. To to be or not to be upset worksheet. Yes. Okay. To be or not to be upset. Because the truth is we really have power over deciding how we're going to feel. Oh, yeah. And you've got to understand that what other people say or do doesn't change you. It doesn't diminish you. It can't. We're talking about – Thoughts that exist in someone's head yeah. or words they say, they have no power whatsoever unless you give them power. So so if I, if I tell the story as to why I'm in such pain and turmoil and I frame the story blaming another. Because all those people that hate you yeah, and don't like you. The minute I've done that, I guess you're saying I'm in the victim role. I, yes. fr- I frame myself as the victim of these big, powerful, mean people. Yeah, have, you've really made yourself powerless. Yeah, that's that's the beginning of the end because <laughs> yeah. now your story is you're just weak. Yeah, and you have no control. You're just the victim. Mm. So if you really struggle with this and, and it's a real problem in your life learning how to do that, my book – Yeah. I mean my book really teaches how to do that. And they, they can – again, if you go to ClarityPointCoaching.com, you can get her book, Hello – it's honestly when I think of it, and I, I don't know if I think I've told you this, but I, I I tell people to go get the book, but it just helps you deal with every a lot of your things you talk about are kind of subconscious thoughts, mm-hmm. fears, issues that drive everything else. But this victim idea is a subconscious thought. It's something deep down that you don't know you're operating on, and I'm sure the book will help you. I guarantee it's tied to fear. Yes, it is tied to it fear. Always it's is. always about fear of loss, yeah. not having the life that you wanted to have because these people take from you. <laughs> so the book really will teach you how to get out of the fear of loss so that you won't live in the victim place. Yeah. The book, by the way, Choosing Clarity is the name of the book. The name of the book. The Path to Fearlessness. Now, another thing that you can do is really practice gratitude because Huge. I have noticed any moment in my life 
when things are bad and I could make a list of the things that are wrong that I have to complain about, I could at that very moment make a longer list of all the things that are right. Mm. And and this is the nature of life. I believe every moment of your life, you're going to have both. You're yeah. going to have things that are good and things that are bad. And the question is, what are you going to focus on? So if you find yourself in that victim mode, step back from it and start making a list of all the things you have to be grateful for that are right in your life because there will be a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, and if you, and honestly, it'll be overwhelmingly positive. We just are used to looking at the negative. Absolutely. And so it feels like our life is overwhelmingly negative. It's just because you're it's discounting. negativity yeah. bias. Yeah. You're not selecting the positive. Right. Mm. That's a good idea. Okay. So my last one is I really encourage my clients to literally change the way they see life in the universe. And the mindset that we encourage you to, to adopt is to see life as a classroom. And you are here to learn to become wiser, stronger, better, and more loving. Yeah. And that means that every single experience that is showing up in your journey is here for that purpose, to serve your education and growth. And that includes whatever the sob story, hard things that you've been through. They are here to serve you. The universe has brought you that class with no evil intention towards you, only good. I mean, the universe is literally conspiring to help you and serve you. And this hard thing is here for that very reason. And when I was at the gym (laughs) and I was starting to have my victim moment about how I'm not getting any points for this workout. Everybody else is getting points. As soon as I recognized, wow, this is my perfect class today. Here I'm working on an article about the victim mentality and I'm getting this perfect experience to feel it and practice with it myself. Yeah. There is no doubt that this universe knows what it's doing. It is a wise teacher and every single thing that's coming into your life is here to serve you. To help you see that, one of the things I recommend my clients do is to sit down and see if they can name 10 positive things there you go. that have been created by you going through your victim story, whatever happened go. to you. Yeah. And I guarantee if you really look, you will be able to find 10 positives, ways that you got stronger or wiser, things that it taught you. And and even if you can't come up with 10, if you can go up with five, you're going to see how this experience might have been your perfect classroom journey. Yeah. And as soon as you see that, you're not a victim anymore. You, you can't you, you've be. You've converted it. Well, now it you've converted it you. to a gift. It's a blessing. It's not just a curse. And once you've converted that, you'll have the eyes to see, the ears to hear. Well, and I, that's what clarity is about to me is being able to see your life accurately. Yeah. And if you'll see it as a classroom and this experience was here to bless you, you will be seeing it accurately and the fear will just disappear. Love that idea. That is huge. It's like you've done this before, Kim. (laughs) A few times. But in the end, though, what would you say to the person that says, well, Kim, there are people that are really victims. Absolutely. That have been victimized. Yeah. There are. And in the end – they still – the healthy ones that find the healthy path out, they don't find it out being a victim. No, they convert they, it to they something don't else. end up living there. Yeah. And that's the difference. Of course, when you are victimized, you're, you're going to go through yeah. all of these emotions and you're supposed to. That's part of 
the class that you're in is processing through all those emotions. But at some point, you've got to decide that keeping that victim role the rest of my life is not going to serve me. So true. I can grow from this and be stronger and wiser and better. So true. And it'll serve me and everyone else to pull myself out of it. Oh, man. Kim Giles, go check out her website, folks, claritypointcoaching.com. Her book is on there, Choosing Clarity, uh, The Path to Fearlessness. And also on there, if you go to more, there's resources, I believe. Is that Oh, free downloads. Oh, yeah, and podcasts, on, and on, and all kinds on, of And there's articles. also these great articles about uh, to be or not to be uh, mad. Yes. Go find that. Go to find be that or not worksheet. to be upset worksheet. Oh, Kim. Go find it. You did it again. Thanks, Kim. Great insight. Have a great day. Thanks, Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. You bet. We'll take a break, folks. Come back. Talk to our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, my friends. Fun is still ahead. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to shoot it down to our good buddies down there at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Did you play Gangnam Style just for me? Yes, I did. Do you love that song? I went to South Korea on my mission. Oh, you know what? This is perfect. Did you know that there, there may be a war between North and South Korea again? I did read that. That was some weird stuff going on at the uh, demilitarized zone. And you know why? Because they're playing their speakers are playing songs, and we're convinced they're playing Gangnam Style. Hmm. You know what? That probably would really make North Korea upset if they were playing Gangnam Style over the loudspeaker. You, in fact, say it. Say it appropriately. Gangnam Style. Gangnam. Gangnam. Gangnam Style. Okay, so here's the thing. Gangnam. Yeah. Is like. In a roundabout way, kind of like the Hollywood style or feel of South Korea. Oh, oh, is that really? Yeah. Is that what it looks like? It's kind of like the the artist's name is Sai, and uh-huh. he's poking fun at the high society style hmm. in South Korea. Okay. It's. I mean, I, I get it. It's hot. It's a killer dance song. We dance to it all the time up here. Kurungaka Jokin Yojia! Yeah, yeah, back. couldn't agree more, man. Go back and listen. Go back and listen. I, I can't believe you that? just said that on the air. Like we normally don't. <laughs> did say you that just like. cuss? I did not. <laughs> what did you? How say? How do we know? Translate. It doesn't matter. Okay. Wow. It's that serious. It doesn't matter. Hey, did you guys hear it's Waffle Day? National Waffle Day. Every day it's Waffle Day, man. We don't need Is some. It? Are you guys big waffle guys? Weird society to tell us what's up. <laughs> waffle, waffles or pancakes? Yes. Oh my God! Correct. Oh man, see, I I'm a waffle guy. Are Both. You? I, why not? I I don't I don't love waffles. I don't know why. Really? Are you I in don't. like with waffles? No, not really. Mm. You know what I'm in like with? Mexican tamales. Mexican right. tamales are fantastic. New, right. new Mexico say they cooked. Uh, new Mexico, I guess the whole state. A group of people in New Mexico <laughs> cooked the world's largest tamale Saturday. A team of more than 30 chefs assembled a 116-foot, 7-inch – got to get those extra 7 inches long – tamale at the fairgrounds there. 120 pounds of masa, 50 pounds of green chili. Did they have to unwrap it from a corn husk as well? Yes. By the way, biggest corn husk in the history of the world. Was, it, was this corn <laughs> hand-shucked? Yes, hand-shucked by uh, Goliath to bring, yes. in a, to bring in a Bible story. Or Yao story. Ming. Or Yao Ming. The same thing. 
<laughs> anyway, see, by the way, look at that. I brought you three headlines in one minute. You've already established. You've already legit. established that your show is a much bigger deal in your mind than ours is. <laughs> no, that's you know what it should be. See, uh, my show is a huge idea in my mind. Your show must be a bigger idea in your mind. <laughs> it is, guys. You've got a great show. And by the way, Chris Carter. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, messed up. Stupid. Yeah. I'm saying it. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump's got me speaking in one word. One word yeah. sentences. Yeah. I, I assume you explained this earlier on your show. Yeah. How could you okay. be so reckless and careless with your words? I know. Yeah, you need to be careful. I know. You got to be so careful. Uh, but he's Especially like, that. It's not like he minced words, right? It was right. very clear, Honestly. like, hey, you can do some bad stuff. And he's and a great guy, okay. right? Like, what? He's a great guy. He just got caught up, it seems like, trying to impress the youngins. Yeah. I don't know. I feel that way, too. But, he, may, you know, you don't tell people to get an alibi. Get a fall guy. Get a fall Get guy. Get a fall guy. You, know. you need one of those. And tell that one guy that, you know, you are going to jail tonight. So get ready for it. I just assume there's a camera everywhere. I, well, you just have to be careful what you say. Like, hopefully you would say that doesn't, you don't say, you know, poor stuff when you don't think anyone's watching. Right. Hopefully you're the same person. But. You should be. You should be careful. And there, and there are certain arenas that require a little more tact than Absolutely. Others. And that is one of them. <sighs> You guys still doing your show? We've decided once again to do it. What, what are you going to do it on? What's your topic? There's a lot going on today. I know. Yeah, it, it, like, listen, listen. Busy weekend. Speaking of fall guy, fall is ramping up because yes. there's a lot going on now. So we got a lot to talk about. Cool. College football starts in 10 days oh. from today. Oh. <laughs> Michigan at Utah, the headlining game on that first Thursday night. Can't mm. wait. So today we were talking about what happened yesterday, and that is the Associated Press released its first college football poll of the season. They do this generally right around two weeks before the kickoff. And Ohio State became the first ever unanimous preseason number one. They received all 61 first place votes. That's cool. In a preseason poll. Huh. That's amazing. BYU also got some votes. Yeah. And going off of that first top 25, we are asking BYU Sports Nation, what do the Cougars have to do to crack into the top 25? Hmm. They have to win. They do have to do that. (laughs) But when, Matt, when do you expect BYU, if at all, to crack into the top 25? After week three. Okay. That would be be after the UCLA game. After week three. So they're 3-0 or 2-1? Yeah. They'll okay. be 3-0. Okay. Unless three, okay, listen, if they're 2-0, Matt. Yeah. If they're 2-0, they'll be in the top BYU will 25. be ranked. Yeah. They, yeah so, that's it. so that's week two. They just got to win the first two. So do you think, like mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. expert opinion, in your own my, my mind. My expert, yeah. I'm a doctor. Your own mind yeah. of greatness. Uh-huh. Yeah, my mind. Will BYU be ranked after week number two? <sighs> yes. Okay. Yes. There you go. Yes. Wins at Nebraska and a home win against Boise State. Yes, yes. That we can do. Okay. Week three is going to get hard. Share that with Holly Mendenhall. I'll call Holly. Yeah. <laughs> when does that start? Uh, in September. Oh, nice. She's trying to, you know, we're trying to give her some space. We don't want to push. But not really, because you're going to invite her to talk about it. Yeah. Then we're going to invite her to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Space for now. It's so big, you guys. It's big. Yeah, that's cool. We'll have a Mendenhall in the house. Not to brag. Just a big deal. <sighs> Are we sure there isn't like some student with the last name Mendenhall in the building? No. Okay. Way to We're, blow it. Yeah. Because there are a lot. Way to ruin my moment. Well, guys, you're going to have a good show. <laughs> you got to go get makeup. You got to do your hair. I know. You got to no, change. No, 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 no. It's time. 
We're ready. You're ready? We're yeah. ready. Yeah. All hair blown, everything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, sounds hot. It <laughs> was. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let you go. Have a good show, gents. Thank you, sir. Take care, yeah. brethren. Bye-bye. That's cool. They're all blown dry. They're all ready to go. Good stuff. Holy cow. Yeah, Chris Carter stepped in it. You know, but people make mistakes. It, and he, you know, he apologized and they got rid of the video. It's all good. It's all good. Whatever. Uh, let me give you a few more uh, little bits of info here just before we wrap this crazy thing up. You know, we, you know, we've had a great show and because it is such an important day being, you know, Vesuvius Day. I, um, I did want to talk about a couple of other, you know, little bits of information that are out there like this one, for example. Mama Bear, five cubs beat the heat in New Jersey family's pool. How would you like to go out to your swimming pool and find a mama bear and her five cubs just swimming in your pool? Just doing the backstroke. Tim Basso posted a video online showing the bears climbing into his family's above-ground pool. By the way, that's half the problem right there. I mean, you can't have an above-ground pool with these bears. They'll claw it to death. Um, And the bears are playing in it, tumbling out of it, dragging around pool toys. One's actually seen drinking a margarita. Weird. Uh, Basso's three- and five-year-old daughters were eager to share their toys. One of the girls can be heard in the video crying out, No! As a cub grabs an inflatable toy. She's like, Don't take my toys. The family watched the bears from inside the safety of their home. Basso says he thought the bears would stop only briefly for a drink, but ended up frolicking for nearly an hour. You got to watch out for that. Would you rather pull a bear out of your swimming pool or a 920-pound alligator out of your uh, backyard lake? Authorities say an alligator pulled from a lake in southeast Alabama weighs an estimated 920 pounds, 13 foot, 6 inches long. Holy cow. Last year, somebody pulled a 15 foot, 9 inch gator out. This is crazy. I'm just glad. We just have like porcupines. You're not going to get killed by a porcupine. You could, you know, go get in the tub with the porcupine. Not a big deal. Hey, we, as you know, um, on the show... Um, we also uh, – we always like to talk about the hero of the day. And uh, today's hero is a Canadian teen, Malik uh, Bonnet. After seeing something fishy, this teenager quick, has some quick reactions that led to the help of one woman that uh, she so desperately needed. Canadian teen uh, Malik – Malik, I probably – Malik Bonnet was headed from work in the afternoon when he noticed a couple on the street in the middle of an argument – Bonnet approached them, and the man involved in the argument asked him for bus money. Feeling the need to stick around, Bonnet told them he lived in the same neighborhood the couple was headed to and told them he would give them bus money and a ride with, and ride with both of them. When he had a moment alone with the woman, Bonnet heard her tell him that she was scared and wanted to go home, but a uh, man she was with, her ex-boyfriend, wouldn't let her go. Bonnet continued to stay and ride with the couple in the bus and talked with the man gaining his trust. I decided to keep them in a public place, said Bonnet. So they got off the bus. He offered to buy the couple lunch at a local restaurant. He snuck off and called the police, who quickly arrived at the scene. It turns out that Bonnet's instincts were right, and the man whom they arrested was charged with kidnapping, assault, forcible confinement. The police had been looking for that couple the whole morning. Police are deeming Bonnet's actions heroic and brave. They intend to nominate him for Provincial Award for Bravery. Police officers commended Bonnet and have even given began raising money to pay Bonnet back for the money he spent saving the woman that night. 
I mean, yo, money ain't anything. Food ain't nothing for a life. A life is really more important than money, said Bonnet. The woman is unharmed and happy to be back with her family at this time. Malik Bonnet, hero of the day for the Matt Townsend Show. How cool is that? Honestly, folks, isn't that interesting? He knew in his heart. And then some more heroes, those three Americans and that Brit that stopped the train attack. Uh, They've now won the Legion of Honor from France's uh, president. Um, President Hollande said uh, this gave us an example for what to do in these kinds of situations. Remember, these four stopped a potential massacre on a high-speed train from Amsterdam to Netherlands to Paris. Three Americans, one Englishman. Pretty cool stuff. So I'm going to do a little shout-out for them as well. Anthony Sadler, Spencer Stone, Alex Scarlatos, and the British passenger Chris Norman. Our, uh, we, uh, we honor you as our ah, – how cool, honestly, as our heroes. Folks, everybody out there has the potential to be the hero. We need it. In fact, more and more and more we're having opportunities in your backyard where you can step in and make a difference. And like Malik did, you don't have to step in and get yourself harmed per se. Sometimes you can just step, your, step in and become a difference, maybe calm somebody down or maybe just call the police. It's a small uh, world, but it also feels like a big one, right? But in the end, it's always going to come down to what happens between two people. So will you go make a difference? That's the charge of this show. The goal of the show is to help you become a great change in the world. We'll be back tomorrow, my friends. More ideas, more tools to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead healthier lives. Again, until tomorrow, love the people that are around you. Hold them close to you. And more importantly, folks, uh, make sure you become the change you need to become. Till tomorrow, take care.